Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. It's so boring, man. Okay. Plays it back. Mike Manano to Stefan Robinon. Back. Ribeiro. Diagonal. Robinon thinks. Checks. Sixty-nine minutes and three seconds of overtime, and finally, Dave Tippett's Dallas Stars have prevailed. Lights out, series over. Stick a fork in the Sharks, they're done. Overtime winner, game one. Overtime winner in the clincher, and no need for video review. The captain has the final goal of this series to send Dallas on to Detroit. For Wednesday, August 12th, 2020, it's the Laced Up Hockey Podcast, and I'm a very sad James Cole. How you doing, buddy? Ah, I've been worse. <laughs> I am uh, Brutes Battaglia from the north side. I write about uh, Toronto sports stuff, uh, particularly the Toronto Maple Leafs that uh, I, I was gearing up to write about uh, a playoff related article and now there is there isn't there they didn't make it so yeah um, no I, they technically I wouldn't write that article didn't even make the playoffs so yeah. I mean like and here's the thing like do I really want to write the article of being like all these other articles that are like telling you about what we should do this summer yeah who gives a shit like you know what I mean do I really want to be that guy too so it's like I don't know I, I'm, I might just not I might not write anything so I really didn't even need to say that I'm from the north side. You don't need to find my stuff. There's not going to be stuff to find. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know what lacrosse is doing, but the Toronto Rock, they might need somebody to talk about their upcoming season. That might be something mm. you want to look at. I don't know. Mm. Um, the uh, Toronto eSports basketball team, perhaps. Yeah, the G League or whatever that is. Uh, ooh, yeah, nope. Very different. Yeah. Very different. Um yeah so uh this is this is the podcast we i don't i don't think like we've we missed most of the playing round stuff from last week and and we're gonna get to that while we while we hit the piss so to speak in the background sure you'll be hitting the piss uh, i'm i'm good i got a little bit of wine on the go good for you buddy um had some beers earlier whatever helps you cope um you can probably see the Margaritaville sign behind me. Uh, you being brutes, not the people listening at home. Yeah, still no video portion. Yeah, no. Uh, but speaking of Margaritaville, oh, okay. uh, I thought we'd mentioned that um, Bobby Margarita is retired. Bobby Margarita. Bob Bobby Margarita is now full time Bobby Margarita. Uh, yeah, part time. That's Bob Mr. McKenzie, Margarita, which is now, cool to you. I um I really enjoyed Jerry D's tweet today, where it's just like you know what? Like every time I check the guy's Instagram, he's out at the fucking cottage anyway. So I don't really understand like how much more time he can really spend out of there out there. But you know, congrats. I thought yeah. it was pretty funny. Um, 
yeah, I mean, good for him. You know, it's 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 a long time coming. Uh, he's worked very hard in the industry, kind of the first insider in hockey. And um, like, I, I I could be wrong because I don't really know the history of this stuff. But like, he might actually be like one of the act like first insiders in sports. To be honest with you, I don't really know who was doing that role uh, prior to him in a lot of these uh, other sports either. So I mean, that's pretty cool. Like, sort of at least in hockey, uh, established a good relationship with a lot of these general managers, and that enabled him to to get us news a little bit quicker, and sports rumors became, you know, a little bit more credible, and um, kind of revolutionized the way that we take in the sport, so uh, it's it's a big deal, he, he put in a, a great career, um, you know, I mean, in recent years, he's already been kind of ramping down, and that's why, like, a lot of these stories, Elliot Friedman's kind of breaking rather than Bob, but it's not an indictment on Bob, it's just, you know, he's kind of been ramping down for a while now, so, uh, we knew this was coming, and he definitely has, is, there's been no secret that he enjoys his time at the cottage, uh, and enjoys his wine, and enjoys basically not going to the hockey rink, which is hilarious, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's awesome news, good for him, I had the chance to meet him in 2009, super nice guy, so... Um, Bob McKenzie, uh, he will be staying on with the World Junior stuff, which yeah. I thought was kind of cool. Like, of, of all things he could stay on with, I thought that was, yeah, like, probably the least likely, but... Yeah, and that was the interesting thing, right, is, like, <clears throat> he goes through the list of all the stuff that he will still be contributing to TSN, and it's like, has he been doing anything other than that the whole time? It's just like, <laughs> I like, I, I still don't see him for two weeks, and then he's on talking about prospects, and it's like, well... Isn't that what you've been doing? But I, evidently not. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty pretty cool for sure. Uh, World Juniors trade deadline and free agent frenzy, I think, were the big uh, three. I'm, I'm actually much, I'm, not I'm, all I'm, the prospect yeah. shows and shit. Yeah, he just won't be doing the you know the the quiz with James Duffy every fucking See, Leaf game. But that was the thing, like and that. He, he's like, I will be on some Leaf broadcast still, and I'm like, well, so literally all you're doing is just going from doing like. 40 Leaf games to, like, 15. So you're getting, like, 25 additional days off a year, Bob? Seems like you're getting screwed in this deal. Well, he kind of owns TSN at this point, so it's, it's he writes his own checks, I suppose. Um, Speaking of TSN, like, so... I, I know we're kind of joking about the idea of him not really retiring, despite him saying that he's retiring, but, like... The day is going to come when just, you know, Bob McKenzie isn't on the air at all in any capacity. Um, is is that, like, at this point, like, if if this happened, like, next week where Bob McKenzie wasn't around at all, is that is a that bigger a blow? Is that a death comment? or? Oh, God, no. Okay. He cannot be killed. Um, is, is that a bigger blow to TSN or a bigger advantage to Sportsnet. Like, I, I feel like Sportsnet has the right guys lying in a wait to replace Bob McKenzie. Like, yeah. the, the insiders, so to speak, that TSN has, like, aside from Pierre Lebrun, who, to me, doesn't even really feel like a TSN guy. Um, no. Like, none of those he, guys really strike me. Pierre Lebrun is to TSN what Bob McKenzie is to NBC. Like, Pierre Lebrun is, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. is, like somewhat part-time at TSN and and is more right. of an ESPN guy. Um yeah. but I mean like I I figure if if TSN had the work for him that you know what I mean maybe 
he would be around there more. That is kind of well, a... Well, there might be a spot opening up now, right? Well, so. and I mean, quite honestly, like, I, I I, would much rather listen to Pierre Lebrun on a nightly basis than listen to Darren Dreger, to be quite honest with you. So, exactly. exactly. Um, like, yeah. I like Pierre Lebrun a lot. I think he's, I think he's really, really good at his job, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it definitely hurts TSN because TSN's kind of gotten to this point now where they've got less... They, they, they have less national games. And because of that, they have less viewers usually on a week-to-week basis. And the problem is, is like, a lot of the guys that they have on air right now, and I say guys, um, only really contribute so much like like there's only so many things that i'm really going to agree with jeff o'neill on and um there are very few things where i'm going to agree with dave poolin and you know darren dreger and there are guys that i'm just kind of like getting sick of listening to and what sportsnet has done over the last few years and i give them a lot of credit because i used to rip them to shreds when they first got the tv contract is they read Twitter and they adapt to what they're seeing online based on what people are saying. You know, like like all those years of Glenn Healy, and it's like nobody likes fucking Glenn Healy. So it's like, all right, we'll fire Glenn Healy. We'll fire Damian Cox. A few years later, everyone's like, yeah, and by the way, Kiprios uh, fucking sucks too, and so does Doug McLean. And last year they're like, okay, then that's enough of them. And they're filling them, for the most part, with people that are actually getting good feedback, like Kevin Bieksa, like Anthony Stewart, even Colby Armstrong is good in the in the role they have him in, like a limited role. Um, so they've done a good job with that, and I think it's kind of up to TSN to find similar talent if they can. I mean, you know, it, it would obviously be nice if they could let Bob fade out and maybe let Sean McKenzie fade in, but I mean, I don't know how much money is is in the... TSN pockets to give to Sean McKenzie versus what Sportsnet might throw at him and um yeah I don't know it's a blow to TSN for sure though anyone who thinks it doesn't is uh is mistaken I would have to agree like again like Elliot Friedman for me is the guy on deck um as far as like what I consider to be the next Bob McKenzie none of those TSN guys are really like jumping at me like they just like I, I think TSN's done a really good job of you know protecting its personnel after they lost the NHL TV rights uh, you know a lot of those guys could have jumped ship went over to Sportsnet and I'm sure there was offers on the table uh, that we'll never know about but um, you know they, they did well they, they, they you know kind of seemed like they were more of a family so to speak but they just don't they don't have that that guy that that next that next guy up that you that you'd expect them to kind of have maybe have not really tutoring underneath bob mckenzie's wing you know hey like you know hey new guy let me show you how it's done kind of thing like i said short of pierre lebrun if if, if they were to bring him over full time that would be about it but um like in one any case one guy i'd be curious to see if they if they consider moving him into the studio rather than on the sidelines would be Mark Masters because I think Mark Masters has a lot to give to be quite honest with you um, he's still a pretty young guy like I, I don't think he's 40 yet so and, I mean, and he's been there a while he clearly knows the sport he wouldn't be the first guy to go from a sideline reporter to in the studio I mean that's what Bob McKenzie did right that's what most of these guys do to be quite honest with you James Duffy was that for a while you know what I mean and uh, Gord Miller was was the rinkside guy for a while now he's the best play-by-play guy in the sport or one of them right so 
Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what happens. And that's the funny thing, right? Is like they have Gord Miller, but he's so good at play by play that if they move him out of the out of the booth. You know what I mean? To put him into the studio. But, like, he's another guy. Like, I'd like to see him in the studio more. Uh, that's why I'm happy that he does, like, trade deadline and free agent frenzy, right? Is because he actually is, like... There are times, like, they'll go over to him and he's breaking trades. And it's like, how is Gord yeah. Miller fucking breaking trades? <laughs> this is a play-by-play guy. This is, like, this is right. like watching football fucking free agent frenzy and Joe Buck's breaking trades. It's like, Joe, what the fuck? Who's texting <laughs> Joe Buck about... A cornerback for the fucking Tennessee Titans, you know? Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um, so we'll have to kind of wait and see. And, and um, like like you said, like he's retired, but he's not really retired because he's going to keep doing all the things he kind of already was doing. But we do, you know, obviously wish Bob McKenzie the best. And um, uh, I look forward to uh, copious amounts of margarita photos coming uh, from him uh, lakeside. Um, I'd have a margarita. As the, as the months go by, yeah, no, like, like, what's stopping him from a December margarita at this point? Like, like, why would he say no? I would assume he's been having a few margaritas on the road with the World Juniors over the years, for sure. Exactly. You're not wrong. Yeah, a good old um, Czechoslovakian margarita. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they the actually use play, goat's tequila. The play-in round of the playoffs has... Um, finished. It's over. Thank God. Uh, there are there are now sixteen uh, playoff teams. There were twenty four playoff ish teams. We still don't really know what to call them. Uh, Gary Bettman Close, spent but no half cigar. An hour the other day explained to us what the difference between the playoffs and not the playoffs were, and that didn't really clarify anything. But um, obviously, that's the it's the big the big the big news but um um uh, not sure like do you want to start out west do you want to look at the east i don't know if it matters i mean at all like we we have this discussion every week i think it makes sense to start in the east because of time zones but okay. you do whatever you want all right uh that is how it's listed in front of me so perfect let's uh let's try yeah, that make make things um, easier on yourself here james sure the the eastern uh play in rounds uh starting from the top of the list here we got the five seed penguins 12 seed canadians uh yeah what what the I think, fuck i think we all know um where we thought that was going and uh it did not go that way um the montreal canadians take the series three games to one um wow is this the is this the biggest surprise of the playing round? Um, yeah, for for me it is. For, for me it is. Yeah. Um, I didn't watch the series almost at all, so it is like what it is the only series that I really can't offer much on. It's just every game coincided with me having to work or something, and and um. Or, like, the Leafs were playing or whatever, you know what I mean? So I think I only saw, like, part of Game 1, and short of that, I don't, I didn't watch this series whatsoever. So, um, I don't really know what happened. I, I can't even really comment on it. I mean, I, you know, I heard Carey Price stood on his head, but also, uh, what I did see is Montreal is a hard-working team, and it was one of those things we talked about, right? Like, if you, if you can just, if you can just weather the storm long enough... 
and and capitalize when you get those breaks then you'll be fine and that's kind of what we saw a lot of these teams do a lot of these defensive teams that uh like you know what i mean don't play with the puck don't have a lot of skill but um you know can outwork you and and montreal's unique in that sense where they actually do play with the puck a lot their problem is they don't have anyone to score goals but if they're able to prevent them enough then i i guess in theory they could they could beat a team like pittsburgh who really uh from the sounds of things looked very off and very uh cooked and again like it was something i talked about in in our in our pre in our uh preview show was that you know the older teams might have issues with getting going again on the restart and pittsburgh is an older team and you know what i mean nashville's an older team and uh the islanders are the oldest team and they did fine but like you know what i mean there were a few old like the bruins don't look good at all um so you know like this was not out of the realm of possibility but uh, I had more faith in Pittsburgh to wake up than Montreal to stick with it, and credit to Montreal uh, where credit is due because they they clearly made it happen. Yeah, th- th- this was an interesting one. Like that that first game, game one goes to overtime, and and the Canadians kind of eke out a a really tight game like that. Like honestly, like this this is a series where it feels like if 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 you go back and you could change that first game. Maybe the Penguins win it because you know the Penguins come out they win game two. In hindsight, if they're up two nothing, I I think it's really impossible that the Canadians would you know win three in a row to win that series. But they get that first one overtime. Um, they're able to get a couple of uh, I'll call them one goal games. Like game four was was two nothing, but it was an empty netter. Uh, and this this was a really tight series. I, I cannot get over how, how closely played this was. There wasn't one game where, you know, Crosby and Malkin just went off and, you know, dominated the fucking Canadians and it was a, you know, 6-2 or a 5-2 kind of game. This was always, like, really down to the wire, empty nets at, at you know, going back and forth and um, credit to the Canadians, you know, that they, they played, like, what you might call, like, almost the perfect defensive style of hockey they they know what they have in Carey Price like I think everybody in that dressing room knows that uh he's he's the guy that's going to determine whether or not the Canadians you know win or not and yeah pretty and I I think they I think they know who they are like they 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 can sit there and look around and say you know what we don't have a Sidney Crosby in the dressing room this is going to have to be some you know gritty go to the net type of goals and and they they leaned heavy on uh, on the defense. They leaned heavy on Kerry, and and it worked out. And like, Caddy, um, you know, our, our 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 sweet boy Matt Murray gets gets uh, taken out of the series after Game Three. Tristan Yari comes into Game Four in in a game that was an absolute you know dogfight, zero uh, zero down to the last three minutes of the game before somebody could could squeak one in, and it happened to be the Canadians. Like. That's another game right there, game four. That could have gone either way. Whoever got the first goal yeah. really felt like they were gonna gonna take it. So I mean, like you know, analytics aside, all, all you want, right? Like Montreal was one of the best uh, uh, Corsi teams in the league this year, and one of the better expected goals for seri- teams. And in both of those stats, Pittsburgh was the better team, but this was the closest series, other than Vancouver, Minnesota. Uh, analytically speaking like like this was the closest one so far so 
I mean, it's one of those things, like, Pittsburgh's probably, you know, feels worse about it than they really should, and, and I don't know, maybe they should feel bad about it, I, I don't really know uh, what to make of that, but I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I don't really think any of the teams that um, lost in any of these play-in series really need to take it to heart too much other than maybe Nashville, I think, which we'll get to, but... Um, yeah, I mean, like, Jimmy Rutherford, too, came out the other day and said that uh, something's got to change, and now it's like, oh, great, fucking uh, uh, angry trader Jimmy Rutherford is going to be back at it this summer. Like, that's great, especially considering they don't have a lot of assets to work with anymore. So I uh, can't wait to see how Pittsburgh gets ruined. Sydney, well, the Sydney Crosby will be more... a fucking Nashville predator by the end of the week. The thing that concerned me more than the angry trader... Uh, version of Jim Rutherford was his comments on the coaching staff. Um, oh my god! Which was like, I know, th- I know. You're the like, one at, who signed at, Jack at the, Johnson. What do you expect the coach to fucking do? You're the one who signed him. You're an idiot. At, at the core of my heart, I know that every coach, more or less, is hired to be fired. Um. Short of your Scotty Bowmans, who they just they got to retire somewhere, so you know they go out on top and stuff like that. Every coach is gonna, for the most part, get fired. Like there's a lot of guys that didn't get the chance to retire under their own terms. They, the Ron Wilsons, the Randy Carlisles, the uh, insert random Maple Leaf head coach here um, type of guys that they just like eventually they lose it and they they can't coach the game anymore the game's changed and and they're out of out of sync with it but yeah it happens like jim sullivan like he's been there for a bit mike sorry uh mike mike sullivan he's been there for a bit he wasn't hired by rutherford this is a guy that like i don't agree with it but if they fired him it would not shock me like you go back. Well, no, no, the- but like, I, and I agree with you. But what I would say with that is, uh, I am seemingly in the vast minority that thinks Jimmy Rutherford is a fucking idiot. But um, yeah, oh, he is. But like, Was you look at the crop of coaches that are anymore. out there as well. That's that's another factor. Like, very rarely do you have a, a list of guys kind of waiting for their next shot. Um, that you could kind of say like oh like we gotta we gotta act now like you know like sullivan's taken us this far you know he's got us the cup the cups and all this but like boy there's a you know there's a gerard gallant out there there's a uh, boost boudreau out there that we gotta have and if we wait any longer those guys might be gone so like i don't agree with it but like i can kind of see where they're like the logic might be like this sure. is a this is a team that two of their most recent championships came on the heels of coaches getting fired like mid-season type of thing so i i don't know i i really think that mike sullivan's earned maybe one last kick at the can here because easily for me yeah you, you know like mike, mike he had sullivan a fantastic year mike sullivan is and like uh you know i guess in moderate defense of jimmy rutherford here like one benefit that jimmy rutherford has uh, that I don't have is that I I don't I don't know Mike Sullivan so I, I I'm speaking to what I just observe here but like to me you know you talk about hired to be fired like Mike Sullivan is one of the few coaches in the league where um like I mean you evaluate your coach at the end of the year for sure 
but I don't really know where you're finding a better coach for this group. Like, I, ju- I just don't. Like, like Pittsburgh is one of the few teams in the league, uh, like one of maybe two, where I'm not necessarily sure that there is a better coach out there than the one they've already got. So, I mean, you know, may- maybe maybe I don't watch enough Pittsburgh Penguins games uh, anymore, but I-, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't know why he would be... Uh, someone you would be considering moving on from unless you think there's a coach out there that's a better fit for your team but I mean I don't like Laviolette is not a fit for Pittsburgh at all I don't think uh Gerard Gallant I I don't think is a better coach than Mike Sullivan Bruce Boudreaux maybe but I wouldn't so you know Mike Babcock perhaps yeah It, it it's tough like I, I want to give Sullivan the benefit of the doubt here, but like at the end of the day, like this is a guy like he's, he doesn't have a deep resume. Like he came into a Pittsburgh team, like there there is an argument to be made, and I I don't believe it. I'm I'm not saying this is my view, but there's an argument to be made that like you drop any coach in behind Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin in 2016 2017, you know like. Maybe you still get a championship out of those those two seasons. Like I'm, I'm not necessarily saying I think that's the case, but that's, that's yeah. Those that's ludicrous. Those are two. But... Well, those are those are like uh, to to kind of compare. Like you look at like the Oilers. Like I don't think it's going to matter who's the coach of Connor McDavid. Like Connor McDavid is just going to sometimes go out there and do Connor McDavid things. I'm saying that there's there is an argument. There's a corner of the universe that thinks that like. No, no matter what, if you have Crosby and Malkin and, and at the time Kessel and all these guys, like they're going to go up there, they're going to do the right thing at the right time. Sometimes you're going to win a championship. And it, since those two years that you know they won their cups, like Mike Sullivan's been, a, he's been a fantastic coach in the regular season. The playoffs haven't worked out for him. You know, last year they're out in round one. This year they don't even make the playoffs technically. So yeah, I mean, I, but but I, that goes back to what we were talking about, where I think that this has been a severely flawed hockey team for three years. Like, I, I just don't... I'm, like... Like, I know we're going to talk about it again later, but, like, with the draft lottery, like, everyone talking about, like, well, what if Pittsburgh gets Lafreniere? And it's like, great, they fucking need him. Like, they don't... They don't... Like, I don't understand wow. what everyone's looking at with this roster, and they think that this is, like, a fucking... You know what I mean? Like, this is still a fucking powerhouse team. Like, they're, they're fourth best forward is probably Zach Aston Reese, who gets 15 points a year. Like, this is not a great hockey team. And so, like, to me, like, this has been Sullivan doing a very good job with two elite players, a deeper team than Edmonton, granted, right? Like, this is still a team that could win playoff series and shit like that. But I I just, I I don't think they've left much on the table. I mean, last year, yeah, they got absolutely run by the Islanders. Uh... The Islanders played a great series, but also, like, the Penguins were banged up. And, and this year, like, I don't know how healthy they were. They lost, like, the second most games to injuries out of any team. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Like, I, I understand what you're saying, but that's definitely not the way I see it. I think this is more of just a uh, a severely, severely flawed roster. Uh, the number six Carolina Hurricanes against the number eleven New York Rangers. This was the only sweep of the qualification round. Yeah. Get your brooms and, out. And the technically, take we it. we did talk about it last week because it was already over. But that's true. Um, uh, they take it in three. Yeah. So, um, not much to really add here. Uh, no, 
No, we talked about it. Uh, there, there's stuff to add about the Rangers, but that's a whole other portion of the podcast. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Uh, the number seven Islanders taking on the number ten Panthers. Uh, this one ends in a uh, four to one, or sorry, three to one uh, Islanders win in four games. The the Panthers kind of come out. They they uh, for a lack of a better word, they claw their way to a uh, there it is, game folks. three victory. There it is, folks. Uh, to stay alive, only to get absolutely dismantled in game four at a five one loss. Um, this week's sponsor, White Claw. There it is. Let's go. Um, big fan. The 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 big thing for me out of this series. Um, should the Florida and I, I think I know the answer before I say this Here because I, I know you're not a fan to begin with. Here we but go. Should the Florida Panthers Roof? be yes. concerned about Sergei Bobrovsky? <laughs> He's not. He's. I don't know. What the fuck? What did they think was going to happen? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Like, should they be concerned with Sergey Borovsky? Yeah. I mean, you should be concerned anytime you've got a goaltender signed for fucking seven years at ten and a half million dollars. But, um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, like, like he obviously was a good goaltender prior last year, and and I'm always really sketched out when a goalie gets traded to a new team. Uh, you never really know what to expect until, you know what I mean, you've seen them play there. So I would never sign a goalie for seven years sight unseen. I think that's batshit crazy. Um, but, I mean, maybe maybe he bounces back next year. Uh, I don't really know how much of that had to do with the team in front of him, to be quite honest with you. Because um, the team in front of him is not amazing, but definitely deserved better goaltending than what they got last year. Uh, or Sorry, this year, but... I mean, like, how many, how many years, this is like, this is like talking about, uh, you know, when are the Carolina Hurricanes going to make the jump? This is like the other way. It's like, when are the Panthers ever going to figure out their fucking goaltending? Because I feel like we've been talking about their goaltending since Roberto Luongo got traded in 2005. Like, like, they, they always have bad goaltending, and it doesn't seem to be... It doesn't seem to have anything to do with who the goaltender is because it's just one of them was Roberto Luongo. Like, they're just bad lately. Like, I don't know what it is. So, uh, it could be the team in front because at some point you got to look at that. But, I mean, a lot of their analytics are, are not horrible. I mean, they got absolutely trucked in that playoff series. But, I don't know. The uh, the last uh, two times in Bobrovsky's career that he fell 10 or more points in save percentage... Uh, he rebounded with a 9.32 and a uh, a 9.31. So you know maybe there's optimism here for this team. Like uh, you know his this this is a guy that's kind of I want to say he's earned the benefit of the doubt. Like we're talking about a, a two-time Vesna winner, uh, a Hart finalist uh, for a, albeit not great Columbus Blue Jackets team, and now he's on a not great Florida Panthers team. So I think there's a little bit of, you know, room for the idea that, you know, he comes into a a new market, a new coach, new goalie coach, and just takes some time to get adjusted. And yeah, I mean, it hopefully does. Hopefully next season it, it bounces back for him. But It does happen, right? And that's partly why I does. was cautioning. No, like, I don't, uh, like, I don't know if anyone uh, fucking remembers Ilya Brzgalov, but uh, he was like, 
Bobrovsky 10 years ago kind of thing, and then he went to Philadelphia, and they're still paying him, and guess what? He doesn't play there. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, like, it's, it's I would, again, I would never, ever sign a goaltender for longer than four years if they've never played a, go- a game in my for my fucking team. Like, that's just insane to me. But uh, a matter of need, I guess, right? Like, they didn't really think that they could get a goalie anywhere else, and uh, technically speaking, got the best free agent goaltender of the last, you know, decade or so, but... I don't know how proud you should be of that. Yeah, it's it's, it's one of those things you never know till you try it. I guess I don't really know um, either. Uh, like like, and I this might be a hot take, but I'm I'm just gonna throw it out there. It's kind of like the argument you just made with Mike Sullivan. I'm not even sure that I believe this, but I'm just gonna say it. Uh, Joel Quenville hasn't really been a good coach for a few years. Uh, the last few years he's coached, and I don't really know if that's. Uh, his coaching or the rosters, but I mean, like, I don't think Florida has a particularly bad team, so I'm I'm kind of interested to see what happens there. But uh, that could be another explanation, perhaps. That, uh, like you said, uh, it might just be, you know, he might just be kind of done as a as a major league coach. I don't know. Yeah, he's a tough one too. Like I, I go back to. I mean, you can only adapt so much, right? You go well. You go back to his Chicago days, even and like, like I said about McDavid, like is is that Joel Quenville coaching that team to greatness, or is that just Marion Hosa, Jonathan Taves, Patty Kane, Duncan Keith teaming up? And you know what? Sorry, coach. Like we're just really good hockey players. Like yeah, I know he's the guy that decides who's on the ice, but when your options are Duncan Keith or you know forty. Nine-year-old Kimo Timonen, like you're, well, yeah, you're probably going Duncan Keith, and you so. and you need to remember, right? They were legally mandated by the NHL to play Michael Roosevelt 13 minutes a night, uh, or or wait, no, maybe Joel Quenville actually wanted to do that. Wait, is that possible? Yeah, they got three cups out of it, so <laughs> it's true. I think Roosevelt was um, only there for two of them. We can't give him too much credit, but no, he was there for all three. Was he? Yeah. That's fucked. Yeah, he he replaced Denny Savard the year they won their. 2010 cup. No, Roosevelt, I said. Oh, so, sorry. I thought I thought you meant Quenville. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I I cannot speak to Michael Roosevelt's career. Michael Roosevelt uh, won two year Stanley year. Cups with the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. There it is. Good. There it is. Good. Uh, now, he plays. Is he played almost a thousand games in the NHL? Can you believe that? I can't. Nine hundred and sixty-three from nineteen ninety-nine to two thousand seventeen. Now, what a wicked career! Two cups, pretty good. Hall of Famer. Yeah, um, there it is. Now, is 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 this more about like Wilkes-Barre, the Scranton the, Penguin the, legend, the Panthers' um, downfalls, or is this like the perfect matchup for the Islanders? Like, are, are the Islanders a team that like we should be concerned about? Because they looked <laughs> fucking. Yeah. God awful to end the year last year. Oh, oh yeah, well, to, to end pre-COVID. Well, season. they looked god awful to end the year last year too. You're not wrong in saying that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. The, the Islanders are definitely a team um, that sort of defy all analytical logic a lot of the time. Uh, in that series, they were good analytically, but that was mostly because Florida, a puck possession team. Uh, got absolutely run over and and neutralized because of that. So, um, which is funny, like in saying that that uh, the Islanders ran over Florida and, and wouldn't let Florida possess the puck, like they still had the puck like forty nine percent of the time. 
Like, that's the funny thing, right? That's them getting run over by the Islanders because that's how bad the Islanders are with the puck. Is Even when they're playing their best, they don't have it a lot. Um, mm. So it's it's kind of crazy, but they do play a good system. Like, they're, they're uh, comparable to Columbus, but I think Columbus is a better team still. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. It's... Do I take the Islanders seriously? Who who do they play in the next round? Who do they play in this round? Because they didn't play today, so I don't know. Who, I don't remember who they play. Washington. Uh, the Islanders have Washington. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really love that for the Capitals. To be quite honest with you, that's not a match made in heaven for them. To be honest, so um, yeah, I don't know. The Islanders. I'll give them more credit than I've given them before. I still don't like them. Uh, nor do I. Um... Uh, finally, in the East, we have the one series that went five games. Um, oh, yeah. What happened there? The eighth seed Toronto Maple Leafs taking oh. on the ninth seed Columbus Blue Jackets. Okay. A three to two series win for the Blue Jackets. Oh. Um, I don't know about you. I've got quite a bit I wanted to say about this matchup. Fucking um, go ahead, buddy. Well, so well. I, I, I'll get your opinion first. I'll, sure. I'll, I'll start off. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you directly. Well, that um, would be good. It is a podcast. Yeah, it's it's you and I. This, this is a conversation. So yeah, yeah. Um, your 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 overall just general basic thoughts on the five game series with these two teams, um, eighth seed, ninth seed. Like on paper, like this should have been close. They were tied. In the standings, technically, with the with the points and all that, like, is is this a a big surprise? Um, is it a big surprise? No, definitely not, because we're talking about two teams that were uh, separated by by not that much. Um, it was one of those series that I talked about going into it that I felt like if the Leafs uh, performed to the best of their abilities that it would be a cakewalk and when they were performing at the best of their abilities uh, I've I honestly and this could be biased uh, not just not that it's my team but because it's recency is what I would say I don't ever remember seeing um, four out of five players dominate another team in the way that Marner Tavares, Matthews, and Riley did when they were all on the ice together. So I don't. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Leafs played poorly because I think that that's a that's just a lazy take on the series for sure. Um, but there were moments in the series where Columbus was the better team, and the problem with that is uh, they are a team that they don't need to outplay you; they just need to out defend you, and. Um, there were two games in which they didn't really... I mean, they got good goaltending, you know. I don't I don't ever... I've said it many times on the podcast. I don't... Uh, I don't ever buy the argument you ran into a hot goalie. And I... Honestly, that's not what I'm arguing here. But in a seven-game series, I feel a lot better about their chances of that not happening two more times, right? Um, so, is it a surprise for me? No, it's, it's definitely not because there are... Um, some consistency issues with this Toronto Maple Leaf team that we've seen. Um, I still have a ton of faith in Sheldon Keefe, but he he did get out coached in the series. I thought pretty much every game, uh, and that's okay. That's nothing to be ashamed of, really. I mean, you know, John Tortorella has been coaching in the NHL since 1999 when fucking Sheldon Keefe was in the OHL. Uh, he coached Sheldon Keefe, so I mean, I wouldn't really be super upset about it if if I were him. But but he did get out coached. I thought. Um, 
other than that, though, no, it's it's not a big surprise. You know, things uh, things could have gone a lot differently. There, there's obviously a lot more to discuss in terms of uh, what do you do moving forward. But I mean, Columbus proved last year that they're they're going to just give it to you, man, and uh, that's what they did this year. Yeah. So you you touched on Keefe being out coached there. Uh, game five, really quick. I don't want to dive like super into like every fucking minute of every like game here, but game five. Andreas Janssen shows up, and about an hour before puck drop, we get the alert that he's taking warm-ups, and he's activated and all this shit, and oh boy, like, is he going to play? And then and then he plays, and uh, I'll, I'll get your opinion on it, but, like, I, I thought this was... A, the right move at first I saw it and I was I was thinking like you know what this is a guy that Sheldon Keefe has coached before deep into the playoffs the Marlies you know when they won their their Calder Cup a couple years ago um Andreas Janssen was the MVP um he had he had played with the Leafs most of that season he gets sent down they have their playoff push he he leads the team in scoring they go all the way to the finals they win it so I'm thinking like in the back of my mind here's this guy that Keefe can kind of rely on he can lean on he knows what he's going to get out of Andreas Janssen and then the game happens and you're watching that game five progress and I slowly lost confidence in the decision to put him in the lineup um for me personally I, I felt that um on a you know on a, on a psychological level it made a little bit of sense if he could play at the level he needed to play and he just wasn't there and that's not really like I'm not saying this is Andreas Janssen's fault but like guy hasn't played hockey since February and you're going to throw him into a do or die game you know in the middle of August after a pandemic the guy he didn't have his legs he didn't he didn't really know what to do he didn't really know what he was is he an offensive guy is he a defensive guy one shift he's out there trying to put the puck in the net. The next shift he's trying to hit everything in sight. Uh, he can't keep up with anybody. He can't outskate anybody. Um, was was that maybe the biggest fault of that fifth game in terms of Sheldon Keefe's, you know, being outcoached by uh, John Tortorella? No, that that has nothing to do with it for me. Um, I. I didn't find Nick Robertson to be, uh, I mean, like I would have rather had not Robertson in in hindsight, but I don't really think Robertson would have made a difference in that game. To be honest with you, the, the difference for me was that, um, he, he put a line together that was clearly going to fucking just dominate every time they were out there. And I think that's a decent risk because for the most part, when you compare the Leafs and the blue jackets with that lineup, they're pretty comparable, uh, second, third, fourth, forward lines kind of thing. Um, so, like, I don't, I don't really think that Robertson would have made a huge difference, to be honest with yeah. you. Uh, and I don't think they have another player on the roster that would have been better than either of them. Right. So, um, maybe Nick Patan. But um, no, that that wasn't it for me. It was just, uh, it was just. I thought that going to that line in Game Five was a bizarre decision um just just because of what like it it wasn't that 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 line 
got you the win in game four. Like, they did, but they did it at six on five. They did it in a matter of a few minutes. They did it with the sort of a, a lucky circumstance on one of the goals, just the way the puck kind of bounced. But um, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I just I don't really know that that would have been the way to go. I think that that might have been something to do midway through the second or start of the third if you couldn't get anything going. But, I mean, if if you split up those guys and, and you have two really good lines, and it, it then makes your third line stronger uh, because then you can kind of play around with that. And it's just like if they, if they do it that way, they should have the stronger lineup almost every shift. Um, and maybe they won't some shifts, but I'd rather take that risk than just guarantee you're going to dominate the, the game like for, for 45 seconds every two and a half minutes, you know. Um, I will say this, though. Like, it, I w- I'm not necessarily sure that it, it is for sure the wrong call. Um, because they, they almost scored. Like, they they very easily could have won that game, like, fucking 6-2. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're not really talking about a game where they played poorly either. They, they absolutely crushed them when that line was on the ice. So... Uh, I'm not going to say that that's like the biggest thing. I'm just going to say Torts did a really good job of uh, keeping his team focused, of um, deploying his lineup the right way. And it's not that Sheldon Keefe deployed his the wrong way, but I would say that John Tortorella didn't make a single error in that series, and that makes a big difference, right? Sure. Um, Especially when you know your team isn't up to snuff. Like, the coach has to kind of step up. Right. Uh, Now, the... For me, there's a couple things here at play. Like, there, there's the obviously the the two back to back blown games. Each team blows a three goal lead. Thursday night, it's the Leafs that blow it. Friday night, it's the Blue Jackets that blow it. Do the Leafs blow that Thursday night game if Jake Muzzin's in the lineup? Because I don't, I don't, I don't see how that happens. Um, you look at the goals that were scored by Columbus. And when they were scored by Columbus, and I have a hard time believing that if if you've got Jacob Muzzin on your bench, that he's not out there in those key situations. And I'm I'm not sitting here saying he's the best defensive defenseman of all time, but I have a really hard time believing that you know this would be the same result if you know he's yeah. he's out there. Well, a healthy pre-pandemic Jake Muzzin, yes. Um, but the Jake Muzzin that I saw before he got hurt, I don't think makes a difference. No, he wasn't really playing all that well, but he was kind of getting better as it went along. He still just looked quite slow, and um, I don't know. Like that, it's it's you're not wrong to suggest that either, but I don't really necessarily because that, that's that's the game uh, that I think think that way determined the series. Looking back on it in hindsight, like. If the Leafs don't blow that that lead, that's not to say that Columbus does blow the lead the next game. But at least the Leafs have that that security blanket going into you know Game Four where they're not back yeah. against the wall type of type of play. Um, I mean, like it, it was when you look at it, like when you look at it now, it wasn't even like a mental lapse necessarily that that blown lead in Game Three, like. Like, it was just dumb defensive mistakes. It was uh, bad changes just constantly in that series. And I don't... That's what another thing I mean by getting out coached is, like, they couldn't even figure out who the fuck was supposed to be going on the ice half the time right. And that, like, that's huge to me, man. Because, like, that's something that, that you and I know is, is not that hard to get 
right at an NH or like at a at a fucking midget level. And the hardest thing I would think to maybe get your changes right in the NHL would be because of the noise of the crowd sometimes. There's no fucking crowd to speak of. So, like, the communication should be flawless, and it wasn't. And for me, that's a big thing, too. Like, you know, whoever's telling him, if anyone's telling him to play Cody Cece as much as he does, that's another thing that I think probably cost them the series, is because he... Um, time and time again when the Leafs had sustained pressure he was the thing that fucked up the pressure and 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 took the pedal off the gas and then they're backpedaling down the ice and and you know he's the guy who uh you know we do a perfect breakout play and then he goes to pass a puck out and and he fucking fans on it every time because his sticks four inches too long and he's supposed to be left-handed like I I I I've been trying time and time again to give that guy the benefit of the doubt but he was fucking horrendous in that series after game two three game three he played well for the first half and then he fucked off again whenever he scored i don't know but like it's another thing like he's playing like 22 minutes a night and granted muzzin was hurt the one game and barry was hurt another game but like I'm pretty sure he plays that time anyway because that's the time he played in the season. Like, it's just... It's a lot of little shit like that to me. If Muzzin was in the lineup, yeah, it helps because maybe you don't put CC out as much. Right. But yeah. um, that's the only real thing I could give yeah. you. Uh, like, fuck, fucking... Uh, like, I'll say it. Like, I, I, I watch him every time he's on the ice now because I cannot figure out Toronto Maple Leafs fans' obsession with the guy. Martin Marincin is for sure better than Cody Ceci for me. Like, I don't think it's even close. Like, he can make a breakout pass. He can, like, play his position. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's... I just don't... I I think he hurt more than he helped. But you can't sit here and blame one guy. A lot of people blaming Frederick Anderson, too. It's like, well... What evidence, what evidence did you have that they were going to come back and win that fucking game if he doesn't let that second goal in? Like, like... You know what I mean? Like, if you can't just get over that... I, like, I don't know what to tell you as an NHL team. So Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't want to spend too much longer on the Leafs, but, like, obviously they are, you know, our team, so we're going to... This is my essay. We know. Uh, let's fire Cody Cece into the sun via catapult. We, we know how this Since is the play. dawn of time. Um, so here, here's, here's, here's the bottom line for me. This is the big thing, and my, my big problem I've had with... Um, the the fucking media and some of the Leaf fans I've seen on on social media and and the reactions fucking and shuds. shit. Like, I'll preface by saying this: we 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 take four months off, right? We take four months off from a season where the Leafs were, for most of it, on pace to finish third in that division. Like, I, I get the fuck out of here with your Florida Panthers takes. I, I they they were not gonna overtake that third spot from the Leafs, the way that team was playing down the stretch. Um, so the Leafs were on on, on pace to take on Tampa in the in the you know first round of the what should have been the playoffs and all this shit. COVID happens, which, excuse me, but I don't think anybody planned. I I sure didn't uh, didn't wish for covid to happen. Oh, you you didn't hear about yeah. that the the pandemic? Yeah, James? no, I I I didn't see that coming by by any means. So so now we got a all an elaborate plan from uh from from big banks. So now we got to play Columbus, which is like whatever. That's that's fine. That's the way the NHL is going to do things. But I got to sit here 
and listen to two months of the COVID Cup Doesn't Count and this year's playoffs is a fucking asterisk <laughs> and yada, yada, yeah. yada. And then the second the Leafs lose, it's we got to tear down this. We got to trade him. We got to fire Dubas. We got to fire Keefe. We got to change yeah. all these fucking things. But a month yeah. ago, this didn't count? Yeah. Excuse me here's, if I'm confused because, like, colored me shocked. I, I, I don't know where, where this narrative's coming from because I, I didn't think the Stanley Cup counted. Well, one of the major problems uh, with Twitter is that anyone can use it. Um, another thing that I have noticed to be true on on particularly the Leafs Twitter, but I'm sure is true on uh, every sports fan base's Twitter, is that um, a lot of these fans seem to have gotten into the team recently and are not really that familiar about what was going on prior to Austin Matthews' time on the team. Um, so the first thing I would say is that, you know, we should all be... Like, everyone should be very calm right now because it's just, like, still a good problem to have. Like, you still want to have good players on the roster and try to figure out why they're not winning rather than going back to 10 years ago and your best forward on a Saturday night fucking hockey night in Canada is Boyd Devereaux. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like, how are we going to get someone better than Boyd Devereaux? And it's like, maybe if we just play Boyd Devereaux into the ground, he'll get, like, 60 or 70 points. And it's like, I don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, because he would have done that on the Red Wings, because they were really good. But okay, let's try it. And they tried it, and it didn't work. And there's a reason why you don't see Boyd Devereaux sure. jerseys walking yeah. around anywhere, right? So, uh, that's one thing. Um, uh, another thing is that I'm not 100% sure that a lot of these fans, who are still knowledged on the game right now, uh, know a lot about the history of uh, other teams. Because, like historically speaking, the Leafs are in not uncharted territory here uh, where things can still turn out fine. Like, it's very difficult to win in this sport. Uh, your core, other than Tavares and Riley, is still quite young. Um, Tavares is signed until the sun explodes, and Riley, I'm not... I hate to break it to people, not really sure that you're gonna want him beyond next year. So, um... Like, it's just, like, it's one of those things, like, everyone's freaking out, like, we have to do something now, we have to make it work now, and, like, yeah, you, like, you, you can make the argument you're wasting Austin Matthews' prime years right now, but uh, the fact for me is that a lot of these people look at this team and think that there is a, a diff like, there has to be an answer, there has to be an explanation why this keeps happening, and it's, like, uh, they lost to three really good teams, and then and then they lost to the Blue Jackets in a five-game series. Like, I really wouldn't read into this a ton right. if, if I were you. Um, certainly, they need to make changes. Certainly, the roster needs to be better. Uh, their, their depth well, is not great, particularly at the defense position. So, like, yeah, there's definitely things to do. But to sit here and say that it's like, you know what, maybe Dubas' plan isn't working. And it's like, yeah, but he's had like a year really to kind of make it work like i i would maybe see him th see it through a little bit longer here. now now what changes would you make because i i'm i this is kind of where i was going with this where like uh, i don't I've, know if you've I've heard been my asked essay, fire cody cc into the i've sun. been asked a few times about like what would you change and like i wouldn't change a fucking thing like there's a couple guys that are expiring cody cc is well, one tyson Berry's another let him walk like that's not something you have to change. That's just gonna. Ha that's if if you do nothing, if you sit back and do nothing, those guys are no longer gonna be in your team. So, just let that happen. Let nature run its course. 
but but yeah. there, there isn't I mean, anything like, here. Like I like the the trade Mitch Marner camp. It's like fucking are, are we are we gonna do this right now? Like the kid's twenty two years fucking years old. Like do do you know how old yeah. fucking Steve Eisman was when he won a cup? Do you know how old Alex Ovechkin was? Like, we're looking for this fucking Sidney Crosby narrative where the kid comes up and he wins the cup when he's 21 years old. And when you don't do it when you're 21 fucking years old, like Jonathan Taves or Sidney Crosby, you're trade bait. Like, see ya. Sorry. Thanks for playing. But that's what I'm saying, right? Like, a lot of this fan base doesn't understand But it's not even the fan base, Bruce, buddy. Like, it's it's the the media. It's the media. Yeah, let let me finish here. The media has uh, clearly their own agendas as well. So it's one of those things, like, you know, if you want to read some of those terrible takes and really buy into them, then that's, that's, that's up to you, right? But... The way that I see it is that the only real real person that matters, if they're really listening to those narratives or not, is Kyle Dubas. And if he was on Twitter and reading all this shit, and he decides that he's going to abandon his plan, then we have a problem. Uh, we have several yeah. problems then. But, you know, if Joe Blow fan thinks that and, and thinks it in the masses, you know, that's, that is what it is. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where... Um, you know, like people just act act like there's one answer and like that that it's so simple. And the thing is, is like, yeah, like what would I do specifically for moves? Okay, so I I I would trade Johnson or Kapanen and something else for a defenseman. That doesn't mean that trade exists, though, right? Like, there's so many people making that suggestion. Like, it's just as simple as calling up fucking Don Waddell and being like, "Give us Brett Pesci for fucking." Sam Casperi Ka- Kapanen and he'll be like okay and just do it that's not how it works bro like you know what I mean like everyone's like talking about these trades like it's so simple how many trades have you seen in our lifetime of a player of Mitch Marner's caliber get traded where the team trading for Mitch Marner is the one getting fleeced it's the team that's trading away Mitch Marner that's probably going to get fleeced right these big players rarely are worth the returns that they garner and that's why the trade market isn't the way that it is in the nba where you see these big names getting moved all the time and putting on new jerseys like it's 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 exponentially more difficult to trade in hockey because the sport is so random and so for everyone's like all these armchair gms being like well it's just so simple trade Kapanen, and trade jansen make our defense better and it's like those moves might not coincide. We might not get a defenseman that improves our 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 decor. Uh, you know what I mean? The way that you think, because all all signs pointed to Tyson Berry improving our decor, and I actually think he did, but most people don't, because they were expecting him to all of a sudden be a two way defenseman. And no, no, he's really bad defensively. We we knew that going into this, but he might put up sixty points. And uh, if Keith coached the whole year and Barry stayed healthy. He was going to put up 60 points. So he kind of did what he was asked to do. But other people understand it. You know what I mean? Like, they don't like it. It's impossible in Toronto to be an offensive defenseman not named Thomas Caberlet and not get eaten alive. It's just impossible. And even Caberlet got eaten alive, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, and he was one of the best defensemen in the league at the time. And now everyone's expecting these guys to come in. Like, like this fan base can only tolerate uh, Josh Manson, Brett Pesci type defensemen that are just, you know what I mean, so sound defensively, 
they can complete a breakout pass, and that's it. And that's their definition of a defenseman. And coincidentally, that's mine too. But, I mean, at some point you need someone on the power play better than those fucking guys, right? So, you kind of need a Tyson Berry. You kind of need a Kevin Shattenkirk. You kind of need these guys. So, uh... It's just so much, though, man. Right? Like, like you want if you want to buy into these narrative narratives or not, and I know you don't. Um, then, then that's your business. But it's one of those things. Like, you read it, and it's infuriating to read. But you have to just kind of constantly remind yourself that you know these people on Twitter don't run the team, and to to a for the most part, Steve Simmons and Dave Festchuk don't run the team, right? Um, obviously they're going to have influence and some of their chud readers are going to start thinking what their shitty takes are and you know what I mean? And then we're going to have the, well, people don't really like Dubas, but it's like, I mean, if the ownership can just kind of, you know, nose to the grindstone and kind of ignore that shit to an extent, then, then there's really not much to worry about. And it's difficult to do in Toronto, but it has been done. Yeah, no, for sure. I... I uh, couldn't agree with you more, um, and uh, I think with that we'll we'll shift focus here. Uh, let's head out west, the western. I why well, I did want to ask Sorry, you one sure. more thing, yeah, uh, because there's a lot of move on from Frederick Anderson takes. Um, do you have any hard opinions on that? On on moving on from Frederick Anderson, yeah, the, the only starting goalie you have signed for the next year. <laughs> probably wouldn't do it but it's you know what here here's the here's the problem i have with all those takes right is like you know what we 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 should eventually move on from frederick anderson yeah, in right? a year. like he's 30 he's gonna be he's gonna be 31 in the fall like we're not resigning him wow but he's still under contract well we're not resigning him long term and he's not going to be the answer hopefully yeah. in the next contract but uh you know he's still your guy right now. I think now. he's a fantastic goalie. Again, who who are you trading him for? That's going to make the team better. Like who we move? Who is this magical fucking goalie? Like like what do you think we're doing? Going out tomorrow and trading Anderson for for fucking Ben Bishop? Because I don't even know if I want to do that. Bishop's older. Like who is this magical goalie that is it uh... puts us in a better spot? Other than the only guy I can think of that is not on a huge contract. That is roughly as good or better than Anderson, and and wouldn't cost that much. Is Robin Leonard? Oh, okay. But I'm assuming Leonard is going to go somewhere on a big deal, and you know what I mean. If he doesn't, and he goes somewhere three years, six mil, okay, sure, yeah, we can do that. But I I I thought you maybe meant former uh, Saint uh, Sault Saint Marie Greyhound uh, Matt Murray, who uh, apparently has been linked to the team. The thing with Murray is like he's not an upgrade though. Like Some he might be think, a cheaper uh, solution so. a cheaper solution long term. Um but he's not an upgrade. He's not a better goalie. He's he's not much worse. He's a lot better than uh people give him credit for. He's and a lot that's younger. not my bias. It's just And he is a lot younger and that helps too, right? So like he he could be a permanent solution. But the problem is people talking about you you move Anderson now and you and you go after Murray and it's like well, but if we're supposed to be all in next year, why not keep the better goal? T- it's the same argument as Morgan Riley, right? Yeah. Like you can trade Riley now, get a lot for him, and then you don't have to resign him on his next deal, and then that helps you long term. But it's like, are you getting anyone for Riley? 
that's better than Riley next year. And if you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, shouldn't you ice the best team possible? Right? I'm not saying you're wrong. It's, it's just it's, it's, it's an interesting argument because of the Greyhounds, the Matt Murray. He's got the Cups. He's younger. He's cheaper. Cheaper for now. Um, I can see how people might get excited about the idea of Matt Murray, but I, I would yeah, I would I, ride. I get out. excited at the idea of Matt Murray, but I'm, I'm saying it's but not it's like, not I would, it's not what everyone's making it out no, to be. No, it, it isn't. Like I, w- I would definitely ride out Anderson. He this could last be the year, answer. See what he's got. Yeah. Like you're telling me you're going to sit down with Frederick Anderson, who is a guy that like by all accounts probably should be, probably is a top ten goaltender. You're gonna sit down with him and be like, "Hey, man, like, so you know that uh, that contract's coming up, eh? Yeah. So if you could maybe like go out there and do something that might, uh, you know, make you some money next summer, that'd be great because we're not gonna give you all that much moving forward. And you know, you're pretty old, so here's a two-year deal. Like, like that's the thing with with Anderson. Like, if the Leafs turn around and said, like, here's a here's a three-year contract." Like sure, like, uh, as a Leaf fan, I wouldn't say no to that. But it, it's those five, six-year deals that that these goalies are getting that they want, which they—I'm not saying they don't deserve. They they should want those yeah. those type of deals. But that's the type of deal that I think the Leafs have to walk away from. So I, I yeah. you know, end of the end of the day, like unless Anderson is willing to come back on a real short term at a, a decent cap hit, he has to understand what's gone on in the world, like. The, the cap's staying flat, folks. There's, there's not a lot of wiggle room for fucking people getting their paydays in the next couple of years. So, it'll yeah. be interesting. Yeah, I agree. It's it's the same thing. I sound like a broken record. Like, everyone thinks that there's, there's one answer to every problem and that really in hockey couldn't be further from the fucking truth. So, yeah. um, whatever they decide to do, uh, I, I'm sure it'll be fine. I mean, like you know, matter no matter what, everyone's gonna criti- critique every move you make. Uh, I I don't like the Kadri trade anymore. I would I would looking back on it, I would have made that trade every fucking day. And and I go back in time, you know what I mean. Now maybe I don't make it, but I I would have made it at the time, right? So, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to sit here and 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 bash Kyle Dubas for that when I would have done the same fucking thing. Hindsight so. is twenty twenty, my friend. Yeah, exactly. uh, Western Conference Edmonton Oilers, uh, the uh, bubble team hosts at five, taking on the 12th mm-hmm. seed Chicago Blackhawks. See now, it's um, it's kind of funny because I'm watching a game right now, and it looks like the Blackhawks are playing not the Oilers mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. So that's that's interesting. Uh, the Blackhawks are still the alive, Oilers join the Leafs as uh, teams that are hosting the NHL uh, to get bounced from the first round <laughs> as they lose in four. To the Chicago Good. Blackhawks now. Good. Now, Brutes. Fuck now, em. Brutes. Is this experience and Stanley Cup pedigree <laughs> winning out over our, uh, our, you know, inexperience and youth? Well, I think it's just it's it's simple here, James. Uh, you know, the Blackhawks are back, baby. This is what they needed. This is this is what that core needed. You know. Uh, uh, Jonathan Taves is back to being the best player in the world. Uh, Brent Seabrook is uh, is uh, elite uh, Olympian caliber defenseman now, and and we're good to go. Like we're we're ready. It's it's, it's go time, baby. Did Patrick Kane you know what? And you... punch Leon Draisaitl in the dick with his three Stanley Cup rings, and that's how they won? That's right. 
That's right. And 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 when I was watching the series, it was very uh, evident to me that uh, Connor McDavid's blandness just rubs off on others. You know, he doesn't inspire people, and uh, you know, he's just uh, not a winner. And and uh, and his blandness just rubs off on people. I forget the wording, but pretty sure Connor McDavid still leaves the pl- uh, leads the playoffs in scoring. Um, <laughs> in a year in which his team didn't make the playoffs, <sighs> that's the cool. That's the most Connor McDavid record to have. That's the coolest thing. So cool. This this was two really fucking bad hockey teams playing against each other, and one really bad fucking hockey team happened to beat the other really bad fucking hockey team um, in four really shitty hockey games um, to advance to what is only going to be described as a really shitty opening round. Um, like... Holy shit! Was there a was there a series that was worse on paper than these fucking two? Like I'm I'm absolutely ig- ig- exasperated in terms of like the amount of shit that I've had to like have shoved down my throat in terms of Shovel like the shit, Jimmy. What uh, this series shit. meant? What this series? This fucking series? We're gonna sit here and talk about this series? No, no. I, I've only got an hour left from this podcast. I've, I've got a, little, a lot of other shit I gotta get to. So, um, did you did you shotgun some wine while I wasn't looking? <sighs> this was awful. This was sure Blackhawks won. That's yeah. cool. I guess I don't know. So, so here's the funny thing, right, James? Is like obviously as uh, you know, as like a former coach and like you know a guy that is like interested in strategy strategies and shit like that. Like I, I'm a rare person that doesn't hate watching like a fucking boring ass one nothing two one game. Like I don't, I don't really That's care. Fine. Like hockey's hockey to yeah. me. It doesn't really matter what happens too much. Uh, but as a fan who had no rooting interest in the series at all, uh, I loved that they were both garbage because that was very fun to watch because it was just goal after goal, mistake after mistake. Like it was just a mess. So it was like kind of fun to watch because it was always exciting. Uh, and anytime Connor McDavid's on the ice, well, not anytime, but most of the time, I think 45% of the time, uh, he does something with it. So, um, so that's cool. But, uh, yeah, the Blackhawks aren't, aren't great. Um, I, I have the, uh, well, I guess we could have done series previews while we were doing this too. Um, are we still doing that? Are we going to get previews? Okay, cool. Then I won't give my thoughts on that series, but yeah, no, it's whatever. I'm fine with the Blackhawks winning. I think that they're the deeper team, and technically on paper, uh, depth is usually what wins out in the playoffs, and, and the Blackhawks are the, definitely the, deeper than this, the Oilers. This is so. a series where I'm sitting there, and it's like a friend says to me, oh, so who's got like the better goaltending, man? And I'm sitting there like, oh, I don't know, the, the guy who maybe was never supposed to play hockey again a year ago? Uh, oh, okay. Um... So who's got the better defense, uh, man? And I'm like, fuck the 36 year old, I guess. I'm like, oh, okay, okay. So who's got the better forwards? And I'm sitting there like, oh fuck, well, you know, Connor McDavid's the fucking best player in the fucking sport, but that's about it. So yeah, could not yeah, give like less I, of I, a I, shit like, about this series, but like the Blackhawks really like like. The, their forwards are really not the problem with that team, right? The problem is that, you know, I don't really think they have a great coach and um, they don't really lean into the fact that they have bad defensemen. Um, they try to outscore you every night, but, like, I don't know that... 
I don't like I, I like their forward group. I just don't know that they should be playing the style that they play necessarily. But whatever. Like <sighs> the thing with Chicago though is when you look at their like their forward group, like you know Taves and Kane think what you well Caves, Kane's still very dominant, but like Taves think what you want to think about him. But like they also do have like Alex DeBrincat and Dominic Kubelik is nominated for the the Calder Trophy, and like Dylan Strome is actually pretty solid. And Kirby Doc's going to be a player, like, they actually do have a pretty underrated forward group. Um, and yet simultaneously overrated because of Jonathan Taves. But, uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, it's just like, this. This it makes sense that the series shook out the way that it did. The Leafs in all their depth scored less goals than Carmack David on the Oilers did. Uh, at uh, right. 6 verse 11, right. we had the Predators at the Coyotes. Uh, the Coyotes take this one three games to one. Uh, the clinching game was a overtime win for the Coyotes. Um, this felt a lot tighter than I th- thought it was going to be. Like, I-, I know the Predators have, like, an established core more so than the Coyotes do, but uh, the uncertainty in net with uh, Soros... Uh, yeah. I-, I thought this was going to be a cakewalk, so to speak, for the Coyotes, but didn't play with that way uh no no to be honest with you the predators um i like the predators just kind of shot themselves in the foot constantly in that series like i i i watched i didn't see this coming but i watched that series i think that's the only series i saw other than the leaf series i saw every minute of it uh i watched every game front to back i I just couldn't get over how, like, even, I think it was game three, the Predators came out and outshot the Coyotes, like, I swear it was, like, 14 to nothing to start the game. And then the fucking Coyotes scored on their first shot of the game. And it was like, Jesus Christ. And it was on a bad change, and it was like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, oh my god, like, this team can't even, can't even get the little fucking stuff right. Kind of like the Leafs. And, I don't know, the, you know what, the Predators just kind of looked like a mess in that series to me. It was... It was a series where uh, it was two similar style teams and everything sort of pointed to the Predators, you know what I mean, being the better team and, and they largely looked like the better team in the series, but they made so many stupid mistakes and there's nobody on that roster to score goals and their goaltending isn't great. So it's just kind of like, like they're kind of they're kind of like um, the Habs when Carey Price isn't playing well. It's like, yeah, it's great, you have the puck, what did you do with it? And it's the same thing, like, that's why the Kings are, like, a great possession team, but they're always, like, they're finished fucking 28th or whatever this year. It's because, yeah, it's great you have the puck all night. Do you have anyone to score goals? And it's like, well, we have Anze Kopitar. And it's like, who else do you have? We have Adrian Kempe. It's like, ah, that's fucking cool. Mm. Yeah. Good for you, buddy. You're a good little saver. Keep going. I didn't watch much of the series. Um... I, I, it was actually pretty good. I, I, what I, from what I saw, it was good. Uh, like I said, a lot tighter than I thought it was going to be. But uh, end of the day, like I'm, I'm really glad the Coyotes are winning this series. They're moving on. Um, the Predators. I feel like this might be. I'm, I'm hoping this is a, a uh, changing of the guard, so to speak. Like, I think we can all agree that this is, this is no longer Pekka Rene's team. But it's it's the defense that no. I'm worried about because they've only got another year together where they can make some noise. The offense, you know, a couple big signings. We we all know about the you know the 
tourist trade, the Duchesne, uh, you know, signing. Oh, this team's sketchy as fuck, for sure. They got like, a year. They like have one year. Is, this is sketchy. They got one year to figure this out. If they don't, then this might be really and bad. I I know David Poyle gets kind of chirped a little bit. Um, I actually don't... I I think he's a decent GM. Like, he, decent to good. I don't think he's the guy to get them out of this mess because rarely ever is the guy who got you into the mess the guy who is going to get you out of it and it's kind of the same thing in San Jose like I wait and see how bad they are next year maybe but like if if this team is as bad as they were this year I don't know if Doug Wilson's the guy to get you out of that and my that's my same thing with David Poyle is it might be time to get a new face in there because as much as they've tried and done a decent job at building good defensive clubs for their entire existence, they don't have anything to show for it. Um, you know, they have that banner that they raised because they won the division one year. That's it. So um, that's that's not don't a they have real that, achievement. Uh, they got that Fortnite banner that they that they rose once too, eh? Like, they, mm. they had the best Fortnite even... uh, fucking tournament team. Isn't that, uh, that's the thing? Uh, it, it very well could be. Banner City. They, they have a lot of they have a lot of just Banners. bizarre contracts too, right? Like, like Colton Sissons is signed like in perpetuity at like almost three million a year, and it's like, why would you ever sign your depth players for that long of a contract? And it's just like that's that's almost three million dollars just sucking up cap space. Callie Yarncroke, yeah, great, that's nice. You signed him for like six years at two million dollars, but like, has he been wor- even worth two million dollars this whole time? Yeah. You got Austin Watson for three more years at one point five, and this is all aside. Like, these are minor problems. Like, like you have Ryan Johansson at eight million a year till twenty twenty five. Ryan Johansson's fine. He, I might even go as far to say like like good maybe, but like, is he worth eight million dollars a year? No, he's not even close to it. Is he is he a good first line center? No, he's not even close. Is he a good second line center? He's okay, but he's not worth eight million dollars a year. Matt Duchesne, eight million dollars a year in perpetuity. It's like that's great, uh, but is he worth that? No. Who could have told you that? I don't know. If only there was a podcast and one of the guys fucking said that last year. Uh, Philip Forsberg, yeah. Good deal at six mil, but you also have Kyle Turris at six mil. Is Kyle Turris a first line center? No. Is he a second line center? No. Is he a third line center? Yes. Is he a good one? Yes, but not at six million dollars a year. Yeah. Like I, I, I they have so many guys you. punching above their weight in terms of cap hit on this team, and and another guy is going to be Roman Yossi in the future, right? Like he's yeah. he's great right yeah. now, arguably the best defenseman in the NHL. But he has eight more years at nine million dollars a year. That's next year's his first year of that deal. Is that gonna is that deal gonna look great? Like, no. He's very much a similar defenseman to Brent Burns, and I think he's gonna age similar to Brent Burns. Where one day sure. the bottom's just gonna fall right out, and at nine million a year with a bunch of other contracts that you might need to buy out by then too. Like, I, like I don't know. Like Ellis and 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 Arvidsson and Ekholm are the only three on that team where I look and I say that's a good deal. Well, and this is like where I was going with this. Like this is a team that has kind of made their fortune on good deals. Like for all the bad deals that you just mentioned, like they just got like six years of Roman Yossi at four million dollars. That's fucking unreal. For sure. They just got like five years of Matthias Ekholm at three point seven. That's unreal. Uh, even even Ellis at six two five, 
Like, and he was at two five before exactly. that. Exactly. Right? Like this is a team that has been hitting home run after home run after home run in terms of like uh, signing long term deals with key parts of their their roster and. Only recently have they started hitting, like, pop flies and singles and, like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you're not going to well, get them all right. because the deals right. that you alluded to, though, right, is is that you're talking about them signing to these deals when they're, when they're fucking 22 or 24 or whatever. Whereas now they're signing all these guys at 28 or 30 years old and suddenly you've got, but you, have you know, all room. these defensemen we talked about are... Because you send those 21 and 22-year-olds to those deals. But they don't have that room anymore, is what I'm saying. I guess so, but it's the same argument. That, like, like with the, like the we Leafs, literally just like they, li- if, we if literally they, just if, talked if, about if how they... those guys were on cheaper deals before, and now they're on more expensive deals yeah. now. Right. Like you, you don't have that room anymore. You just gave Roman Yossi a, a five million dollar raise. You just gave Ryan Ellis a four and a half million dollar raise. Like, you know, what I mean, this room is gone that we just sure. alluded to. Like, sure. they, they don't have a lot of it, and they have all of these guys committed long term. Like, almost all these guys we're talking about being bad deals are, are almost 30 years old. Who is trading for Ryan Johansson at $8 million for five more years? Nobody. No. Nobody's trading for no. him on, on that deal. No, no you're right. Um, the uh, next series we got here in front of us is the 7 Vancouver Canucks, the 10 Minnesota Wild. The only other series besides the Leafs Blue Jackets to have uh, shutout wins by uh, both teams. This one ends in a three to one decision for the Canucks um, after a overtime win, apparently scored as five to three by the NHL website. I don't know if that's four to three or five to four, but in any case, I can tell you the Canucks did not win five to three in overtime uh, in Game Four over the uh, the Wild. Um, uh, this was kind of a to me it was a coming of age type of series like I, I again we go back to the whole idea that this isn't really the playoffs but it kind of is the playoffs uh the wild uh the the old boys club can't get over the hill so to speak get Devin Dubnik never really appears it's it's Alex Stalock's net uh was was that the big surprise this series uh, Alex Stalock uh what about Alex Stalock that he that he started or that he wasn't great well I, I, I don't know if I'd say that he, you know, like, he, he wasn't great, but he sure came with swinging. Yeah, um, Alex Stalock. Like, I'm not, I'm not, was it, was I'm not surprised it, was it a mistake by either. I guess to it doesn't him really matter. Like, no, no, it wasn't. I, 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 I mean, we talked about this in the series preview, right, where, um, Maybe if you go back to Dubnik, you get some of that magic from years ago. But I, I, I always say that like when you're, when you're hoping to unlock something that used to be there, it's possible for that magic to fade, kind of thing. You know, like, like you're just you're going fishing for something that isn't there, kind of thing. So um, that was entirely possible. They did that, and that would have been a massive mistake, and especially for Dean Evason, who's a new coach and and trusts Staylock and really doesn't have that relationship with Dubnik. Uh, necessarily, you know, I, I think he made the right move in that sense. I would have started Staylock. I might have gone to Dubnik uh, within the series, but I, I would have started Staylock. He had the better finish to the season and could be the better goaltender at this stage of his career. I mean, it's hard to say, but... Just another just another goalie that the Leafs gave up on. Um, the 8-seed yeah, well. Flames versus the 9-seed Jets. 
the Flames take this one in four. Um, uh, no Shifley, no Liney for pretty much the entire series. Um, was there anything here that, that, that shocked you? No. Um, when we did the series preview, we talked about how <clears throat> if the Flames are unable to shut down uh, the Jets' offense, that, that there was going to be problems. And um, the Jets' offense was largely injured within the first several minutes of the series. So, um, you know, and I, and I, I, I don't really by the whole, um, you know, uh, injury problems, like when can these guys ever stay healthy, but, like, every year the Jets are in the playoffs, man, they get fucking just destroyed with injuries by the end of it, and it's like, holy fuck, like, is this team ever going to be able to get a run in where, um, they actually have any, everyone at full capacity or even close to it, because you see all these other teams with guys playing through injuries, and that's great, but, like, you know, none of these guys clearly could have played through what they had, otherwise they would have. So, it's a not very deep team um, that lost three of three of its most important forwards. Like, Mason Appleton took a lot of steps forward in the back half of that year. So, uh, it's tough for them. I, I don't, I'm not really surprised. Like, like I said, they were two teams that I thought were very even, and I thought it was going to be a five-game series, I believe. Um... And we didn't get to see the Jets at full capacity. The Flames just took over, and and they look great right now. They won today as well against Dallas, and um, they they're playing very well. They're playing better than I would have thought they would coming into this. Ten goals in uh, the last two games against the Jets, as uh, they take that one um, with a shutout. Dylan Dubé, my shutout God. in Game Four. Good for Cam Talbot, I guess, who is the starter now. Is that? I don't know. David Riddick not getting any time. Cam Talbot once thrown to the sidelines by yeah, that's most that's NHL a teams. weird one. I I don't really understand why um, that's the decision, but whatever. It's working. Seems to be okay. So that's the right. uh, recap of the uh, qualifier round that determined the sixteen teams that make the playoffs. Uh, speaking of the sixteen teams. Uh, we're going to jump through real quick what we think is going to happen with these matchups. Um, I'll reshift out east because I know uh, that zone. just seems to make more sense. Yeah, uh, Flyers, Canadians. Um, <laughs> I mean, I might uh, not be doing myself any and myself any favors here, but I am taking the Flyers in four. Four. Uh, sorry, I was taking the Flyers in three. Yeah, and I, you know what, I'm yeah. very anti, like, I don't ever take sweeps, because it's just a silly thing to, to bet that it's going to happen, but this is not even really an indictment on the on the Habs, I just think the Flyers look fucking unbelievable right now, and I, I, I don't honestly know if there's more than a couple teams in the league that I feel pretty confident could shut down the Flyers right now, and I, I know that the Canadians are not on that list, and uh, they may prove me wrong because they looked great against Pittsburgh, but I think this is a whole other animal that they're dealing with here. What I what yeah, I would say I would, is I the hottest team in the league, and I believe they were coming into the break anyway. So I would I would agree. Like uh, I think the Flyers have this pretty handedly, short of a Carter Hart injury, I suppose, which I'll knock on wood right now and and pray that that does not happen. 
Um, the uh, marathon match, uh, as it may come to be known, the uh, Lightning versus the Blue Jackets. Yeah, that was crazy. Which we now know um, went five overtimes in Game that One was crazy. to the tune of a Lightning win. Um, where do you see the series ending up? Um, I, I first off, I think it's fun that uh, in in my lifetime, I have sat down and watched two like four plus overtime games front to back like you know what i mean like it's not like i turned on these games when they went to overtime or whatever like i i i watched this entire game today and i watched the entirety of uh stars sharks in 2008 that went to quadruple overtime brenda morrow scored it's just uh, again like it's just hilarious that i've managed to like turn these two games on and just they never end I'm not going to give up on it, you know. Bad movies, I'll turn off, right? But like a bad hockey game, I got to see the, I got to see it through, you know. So, um uh I will go the Lightning in I'm going to go the Lightning in 6. Okay. Uh I I got Lightning in 5. Um I don't have a lot of faith in the Blue Jackets, especially what I saw against the Leafs. Uh, they, you know, Tampa kind of exposed that tonight. Like, if you play this team long enough, yeah, and, and that's just it. Long enough is the key word. Uh, you will win. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Um, like, if the Lightning have to literally just like play possum every game and play the Blue Jackets system, yeah. like eventually they're still going to win the game, right? So, yeah, I yeah. I would say one thing today is the the Lightning needed that win more than the Blue Jackets for sure. Because I I don't have the same confidence as I do in in uh, I don't have the same confidence in the Lightning as I do the Blue Jackets to just go into that dressing room and be like shake it off you know what I mean there are there are other games don't worry about it too much I feel like Torts is the right coach to kind of you know what I mean just at this stage of his career anyway keep them focused and not as worried about it whereas. If the Lightning lost that game, given how last year went, and you know, I, I'd be a little more worried about it if I were the Lightning. So, they needed today's yeah. win. They looked largely like the better team as well. Right. Uh, Capitals, Islanders. I got the Caps in six. Caps, Islanders. Yeah. Um, I, I hate I hate to do this, James. Uh, I am going to take the Islanders in six. I'm just going to start betting on this team to win because there is no logical reason for me to indicate why they win all these games. So I'm just going to start betting on them. Fuck it. I might even just put money down okay. on the series. I'm not going to lie. Fuck it. Okay. Go Islanders. Interesting. Fuck it. Who cares? I fucking hate them, but who cares? Uh, Bruins uh, Hurricanes to end out the East. Uh, I will take the Hurricanes in five. Five? Mm-hmm. Okay, I got the Bruins in seven. Yeah, I mean, basically, like, not to speak for you, but I think I'm betting that the Bruins aren't going to wake up and that you're betting that they will. Oh, no, I'm not betting that they'll wake up. I'm betting that Peter Mrazek, uh, yeah, he's not really a good goaltender. So, yeah, uh, not really yeah, going to matter yeah. if the Hurricanes have the puck the whole game, which uh, looks like they're going to. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Yeah, they... They, I like I. It, 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 the weird thing about the Bruins too, watching them is like I figured like maybe as a team, 
their chemistry was just like off or something right now or like you know what I mean like maybe it was just a few guys playing bad and I was watching them the other day and it's like I don't even recognize Tori Krug on the ice like it's like everyone looks terrible I don't I don't understand like what I I figured that they would have older guys come out of the gate slow I didn't think the whole team would just fucking not not know what they were doing they look horrible yeah uh, Peter Mrazek, after the game got cancelled last night, uh, has not played a hockey game in a week, so I'm sure he'll be fine. Uh, moving to the west, we got uh, the Vegas Golden Knights against the uh, Robin Lehner-less Chicago Blackhawks. What? Uh, Hawks. Oh, Hawks the Chicago... Knights. Oh, uh, I thought... Sorry. Yeah. I was thinking the... I'm like, I'm watching them in net for the Golden Knights right now, but I, I heard it the other way around. Um... I am I am taking Vegas in again. I realize I I am not a sweep guy, but I'm taking Vegas in four. I'm taking Mark Stone in four. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um. It's kind of kind of bold of us to say uh, as as there's a game going on right now, which is a, a tight game at that. Uh, uh, a two to one Vegas lead. Yeah. Uh, it's tight, but uh, I mean Vegas uh, looks uh, yeah. better for sure, but. Vegas and four. Okay. Uh, Avalanche and uh, the Yotes. <laughs> That's a um, series? I don't even think yeah. I knew that that was a series. The Avalanche yeah. and the Coyotes, eh? Uh, I'll take the Avs in, in six. I, I feel like Kemper's going to steal a game in there, but I feel like this is largely the Avalanche's uh, series yeah. to win. Uh, so Kemper will steal a game. That's why I'm taking the Avs in five. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Dallas Calgary, which is already off to a one nothing Calgary lead. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, I will take the Flames in five. Uh, I've got uh, Dallas in seven. I would have taken Dallas for sure as like a dark horse. Holy fuck! I think Leonard lost his skate blade again. No, he's fine. Um, Dallas for sure is like the better team, but they. They're another one like Boston. I just I was I watched a lot of their games. I don't even recognize that team out there right now. Like they don't they don't look good at all. The best player on the ice for them has been Joe Pavelski, who's uh, not great anymore. Like fucking Corey Perry's been one of their best players. Like that's mm. not a recipe for success. So uh, I'm I'm a little concerned that they're not going to get it together. Um, but we'll see. It's not yeah. like the Flames are a superpower uh, either, right? Like, that's... Yeah, I no, very easily yeah. could see them faltering too, but they look super dialed in right now. I'm I'm, I'm kind of proud of them, actually. Really glad to see uh, Matt Kachuk, who I'm not a big fan of, fight uh, Matt Perry, who I'm a even bigger not fan of. Who the hell is Matt Perry? One, so. uh, Corey Perry. Ah, Corey. Yeah. Corey Perry. Perry. Yeah, he leaves the Ducks. What the fuck is name. happening with Leonard's uh, equipment? Blues Canucks in the last series of the West. Blues Canucks. Um, That's a series. I've got, Jesus. I've got the Blues in five. Um, hmm, that could be a spicy one. You know what? I I'm gonna take the Blues, but I'm gonna take the Blues in seven. I think the Canucks are gonna kind of give them a run there. I don't necessarily have a ton of faith in the Canucks, but I don't uh, have a ton of faith in the Blues either. So. Um, yeah. I have a ton of faith in the uh, Minnesota Wild that found a way to shut down Elias Pettersson uh, and that the Blues are a better team than the Wild. 
uh, replicating that uh, you know strategy. So, mm-hmm. are they a better team than the Canucks? Though, I guess we'll see. What's um? Because I I don't know. Here's one thing um, that I haven't looked into. Where, where where is Jordan Bennington? Like, is he just gone, or, or what's what's the deal there? He's on the Blues, is he not? Uh, I feel like Jake Allen played every game that I watched. I, I, I can't, in good conscience, tell you you're wrong, but I didn't think okay. that was a thing. Uh, Bennington played two of the you know four what I, games. You know what I might be thinking is the is that Jake Allen played the exhibition game, and I'm just confusing it. Maybe okay, because he did yeah, play. Bennington he did, did play the third and final round robin, but oh okay, um, okay, okay. Well, I feel yeah. better about that knowing that Bennington's the goalie. I'm still gonna go seven though. Sure. Okay. Well, that's your uh, your uh, round one of the playoff uh, uh, predictions, uh, you, you so to speak, in terms of uh, what the fine folks at uh, the Laced Up Hockey Podcast are going to uh, uh, think. Um, I've I've got a I've got a game for you if if you think you can uh, do this quick. Uh, well, I don't know what the game is, so you're going to have to tell me if it's quick or not. Well, I've I've got seven questions for you. Seven. It's, um, are are you familiar with uh, Beyonce's uh, "All of the Single Ladies" song? Yes. Yes, all the single ladies. So to the, if you're a to single the left, lady, to the left. To the left, to the left. If if you're a single lady, you don't have what you might say a ring. Correct? You wouldn't have a ring if you were a single lady. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So this is the uh this is the not so single mm-hmm. singles game. Okay. In which you've 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 got a ring. Okay. But you only have one. Alright? You you just got the one. You got one ring. No more, no less. Uh, I myself talking about Milan Lucic right now, or yeah. Uh, so what I what I've done, Brutes, is I've got uh, seven groups of three guys. Okay. And I oh. want you to name which of the three players has one and one only. Oh. Stanley okay. Cup. Okay, that's kind of one neat. and one. And I'm only. guessing I'm guessing you want me to get four out of the seven correct. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Right. So I, I I've tried to make this. Uh, challengeable, but not uh, not a cakewalk either. Challengeable. Um, yeah. So if, if you're ready, I'm ready uh, for the not so single singles game, and uh, uh, cue up the uh, single ladies uh, track in the background that we can all dance. Yeah, to I I, I really this. like how I told Probably you that not. this was going to be one episode. It was going to be a bare bones edit yeah. on, and you're just like, yeah, yeah, I'm no, going to yeah. go to the bathroom, and if you could throw this Beyonce <laughs> song in the background, it's like cool. I gotta. <laughs> I gotta be at work in eight hours, but sure, I'll do that. No, you're. It's all good. We'll 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 cue it in for next uh, next Sounds time. Good. Um. All right. If if you're ready, I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, the first trio you get is uh, Henrik Zetterberg, Bill Guerin, and Tim the Two Man Taylor. Oh wow! Only one of them has one ring. Only one of them has Bill one Guerin, ring. Only one of them. Is a single single lady Henrik Zetterberg. Oh man, I just like I don't, I don't have a great handle on what Tim Taylor did in the in like the eighties and early nineties, like where he would have been. So only one of them has one ring. True. I 
can't for the life of me imagine that Henrik Zetterberg was on the Red Wings in 02. But, like, I remember watching him make his NHL debut, and I, I was definitely fairly young. Like, eight or nine. So, he might he might have two. I'm going to bet he maybe played in the playoffs. I, I think the answer is Bill Guerin. You're going with Bill Guerin. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that is uh, incorrect, hmm. Brutes. Um, Bill Guerin had two cups, the 95 Devils and the oh. 09 Penguins. Okay, I thought I thought the whole uh, thing when he won with the Penguins was it was a big deal because it was his first cup. But yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, Tim Taylor uh, won with the Lightning in '04, and also with the Red Wings in '97. So that oh. means uh, Henrik Zetterberg uh, had one cup with the '08 Red Bastard. Wings. So that is uh, your 0 for one. Uh, question two. Um, I'm going to give you... Uh, I'll, I'll give you a line. We'll, we'll change things up. A, a line. These three guys played together. They were famous for playing together. The Legion of Doom line. Oh, God. In Philadelphia. Uh, Eric Lindros, John LeClaire, or Mikhail Renberg. So... Okay, so, th- so this is sort of a trick question because Eric Lindros didn't win a cup. Right? So uh, he did. He did not. So so he just doesn't. He just doesn't count, kind of, because he he wouldn't. You're, we're looking for one ring specifically. So John Leclerc or Mikhail Renberg? Where the fuck would Mikhail Renberg have ever won a Stanley Cup? But I can't remember Leclerc winning more than one. I, I'm gonna go John Leclerc. No, no. Was he on the Penguins in in oh eight oh nine? Sorry. Uh, no, I'll go John Leclerc. Fuck it. I'm going to Leclerc uh, final answer. John Leclerc final answer. Lock it in. That is correct. John Leclerc won one cup with the ninety three Canadiens, while Lindros and Renberg had uh, none. Let's turn to the netminders, brutes. The goaltenders. Here we go. Were they on a uh, line? Ron Hextall. Mm-hmm. Dominic Hasek or Bill Ranford? One cup. Again, where the hell would Hextall have won a cup? I'm trying to think where else he played. He didn't play a lot of other places like that long, but... Hmm. I'm going to guess he doesn't have one. Ranford, I feel like, has multiple. And Hasek... Hasek, does Hasek only have one? I feel like Hasek has two. No, maybe not. Because 2 he wouldn't have been the Red Wings goalie yet. I don't think. Would he have? Ah, whatever, I'll go, I'm going to go Dominic Hasek, final answer. Final answer, Dominic Hasek. That is incorrect, Damn. Brutes. Uh, Ron Darn. Hextall had zero cups. Bill Ranford had one huh. with the Edmonton Oilers in 1990. I thought he was after Grant Fuhrer left town. I thought he was always around, but all right. And Dominic Hasek had two with the 02 and 08 Red Fair Wings. Enough. All right, uh, your uh, fourth uh, triplets: uh, Mike Gartner, Alex Kovalev, or Dino Cicerelli. 
Mike Gartner, Alex Kovalev, Dino... Sa oh, jeez, this this could be any of them. Uh, Dino definitely has a cup. I don't know if he has more than the one. Alex Kovalev... I can't imagine has more than one cup, but I guess anything can happen. Miracles, miracles can happen. I, I feel like Mike Gartner never won a cup, but I don't know that for sure either. I, I don't know any of these for sure, but I feel the most confident with, uh, with Alex Kovalev. So I'm going to go Alex Kovalev, um, which is not something I would normally say. I don't, I don't normally feel that confident with Alex Kovalev, but. Is that your final that answer? That is my final answer. That is correct. You won a cup with the 93 Rangers. Yes, while Cicerelli and Gartner did not win a cup in their careers. Oh, really? I thought Cicerelli uh, was on the Red Wings for uh, for the 97 win. Missed it by a year. Damn. Darn. Yeah. Uh, you are uh, two correct, two incorrect, sir. Uh, okay. We have three questions left. Uh, this next one, I've got a trio of teammates they're not a line it's not the legion of dune uh but these guys all definitely played together uh, i'm looking for uh who won one cup between stefan yell mike keen and adam deadmarsh who won one cup oh man that is a that is kind of a tough one I, I'm pretty much, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm a hundred percent, no, I'm 99% sure that Mike Keane has two Stanley Cups or more. Um, I'm fairly confident that he was on the stars in the, in the nineties. Um, well, I know he was on the stars in the nineties, but did he win a cup with them? But, um... See, Dead Dead Marsh, I feel like might have been too young to be on the first Avalanche team, and I know he wouldn't have won anywhere after '01 uh, because he went to LA and then I believe retired. But Stefan Yell, like I just don't, I don't have a great handle on where he played prior to like 2001, and I feel like it's only Colorado. So I guess he could have been around. I'm pretty. I know. I know it's Yeller Deadmarsh, but hmm. I'm going to say Stefan Yell. Final answer. Final answer. Well, that is incorrect. Um, Mike Keane won with the Canadians in '93. He won with the Avalanche '96. And he won with the Dallas Stars in 99. Uh, Adam Deadmarsh and Stefan Yell both won with the Avalanche in 96. But only Stefan Yell stuck around to win hmm. with the Avalanche in 01. Uh, the year that Deadmarsh was traded to the Kings for one Robert Blake. Huh. Alright, that leaves you with, uh, with uh, two to win with two categories to go. So you're still alive. you still got a chance. Uh, we're going to go back to a trio of, uh, of goaltenders that all played for the Quebec Nordiques. And I'm looking for which one of these guys uh, won one Stanley Cup between Ron Tugnut, 
Jocelyn Thibault or Stefan Fisset? Holy shit, are you trying to tell me that some of these guys might actually have multiple cups? There's 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 just no way, James. Um okay. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't I really don't know. Uh I I wanna say Tebow won uh with the with nah that doesn't make sense either. I was gonna say he won with the Canadians in ninety three and the Avalanche, but I don't think he was uh uh, that tight with Patrick Waugh. Um, I I see no conceivable way that Stefan Fize has more than one Stanley Cup, but does he have one? Like, I, th- I, I would imagine he was probably on the Avalanche when they won the first Cup in 96, but... Uh, but I really don't know about Tugnut. I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess Stefan Fize. Final answer. answer. That is correct, nice. Bruce. Uh, Stefan Fisset was with the Avalanche 96. Jocelyn Thibault was traded in the deal that brought Patrick Waugh to Colorado in 96 for their cup win. Ron Tugnut, on the other hand, uh, was uh, two years shy of uh, a win with Edmonton and one year early of a win with Montreal. So uh, going into the seventh and final deciding game, I mean, question. Um, it's a it's it's a local matchup. Oh, it's God. an all local treason. Um, Jeff Hirema, Jason Jaspers. Yeah, Steve. Uh, I'm looking for which one of these guys won one cup. Was it Greg Johnson? Was it Tony Herkus? Or was it Nelson Pyatt? Oh fuck! I don't fucking know anything about Nelson Pyatt. Are you kidding me? Oh my god, how the fuck... Uh, he fathered Taylor Yeah, well, and I, know, I know that so, much, yeah, okay, but I've, okay. I've met the man. I don't know anything about his career, though. <sighs> Greg Johnson, I feel like, had two cups. Uh, both with the Red Wings. And then went to Nashville that summer. Uh... Greg Johnson, Tony Herkus. Yeah, I don't have a great handle on Tony Herkus either. I'm I'm going to bet that that Pyatt doesn't have a cup and I'm going to guess that Herkus has one. Uh so I'm going to go Tony Herkus final answer. Tony Herkus final answer. Well, Nelson Pyatt doesn't have a cup. Cool. I can tell you that. Him and his two sons uh, both equal in the ring department. Greg Johnson, however, was traded oh, during the 97 season. Did the team he get traded that for the Red the Wings cup, won the cup? Uh, uh, he was traded to Pittsburgh. So that means that Tony Herkus, who won with Dallas, is the correct answer. Brutes, you have won uh, the not-so-single single ladies game. Nice. Uh, brought to you by the fine people of Beyonce Records. Yeah, um, I, I knew coming into the we'll, podcast that Tony Herkus was going to have a place on it today. So nice, love yeah. it, big fan. Um, his sister works with my father. If that means anything to anyone at sure. home, 
Um, okay, so that's uh, that's that. We've got a couple of things we want to touch on quick before we get to uh, the end of the episode. Uh, the uh, lottery results are in. The NHL had a had a little draft for who's gonna pick first this year in the NHL because they were stupid and didn't do it uh, after the first round. They they wanted to do uh, all this stuff prior and. And give us a blink NHL logo. So Winnipeg, Florida, Minnesota, Nashville, Edmonton, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and the Rangers all a part of the eight teams that could have uh, conceivably drafted first overall this year. Um, before we get to who won it, um, let's let's just ask you a quick, Brutes. Uh, what was the one team that you did not want to see win, and what was the one team that you wanted to see win? Um, The one team I didn't want to see win. I don't, I don't know if there really was a team that I didn't want to win. I mean, like, everyone was making a big deal about, like, what if the Leafs get them, or what if the Oilers get them, or what if the Penguins get them, and it's like, well, all three of these teams are in the draft lottery, so, I mean, like, it's not like we're talking about fucking superpowers here. Like, everyone's talking about those three teams like they're fucking unbelievable, and it's like, yeah, the Leafs look really good on paper, but again, like, going back to what we talked about, they haven't really done anything with it. Uh, the Penguins are getting old and have uh, weird depth, like not good but weird, and the Oilers have two players, so it's kind of like, well, you know, like I, I wouldn't really been upset with any of them. I guess I would say Edmonton, um, but I don't know. It still would have been cool. Uh, I wanted Minnesota to get them, ideally, uh, and as a Leaf fan, I would have been fine if we won. Uh, I. I am very happy that the Rangers got them. They would have been pretty high on my list of teams that I'd like to see them go to. I think it's really cool that the are like one of the biggest markets in hockey is shaping up to be uh, a pretty damn good team. They need to draft a, a few centermen maybe in the next couple of drafts, and then they'll be set. Uh, but yeah, other than that, they they look great. So I, I'm I'm quite happy with that. I think it's super cool. Um, I would have been pretty rattled if the Penguins won. Um, personally, they were the one team that I felt like they needed to kick rocks and get lost because uh, if you're handed a superstar uh, fucking uh, franchise player every 20 years yeah. by uh, you know sheer coincidence, then uh, what are we doing here? Because no other team has that. Yeah, I yeah. Thought. You know what? And I don't really disagree with you either. Like that's that's not a wrong way to look at it either. Like, is it so wrong to wish that the Penguins just spent, like, ten years in fucking purgatory and just didn't emerge for a while and we didn't have to hear their name? You know, they just drafted, like, eighth for, like, ten years. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be fine? Well, That'd be fine. See, That's, I'm, I'm see fine James, you need to understand is the, uh, they didn't need to win it this time around because um, the team is in uh, not financial ruin like it was the last time when it coincidentally won the draft lottery. Do you remember that? So. Mm. It's just funny how that worked out. Um, I, 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 too, would have given it to uh, Minnesota. Um, uh, one team that has never had a clear-cut, like, superstar fucking forward that can yeah. dominate the game. Even even Nashville. Actually, like, I was, I, I I was never... just realizing, the team I didn't want him to go to is Nashville. Because I feel like he would have just been, like, he would have lost his smile there and had to deal with this fucking horrible rebuild. Maybe. and you know what I mean? Like, like maybe, what, maybe well, not. But uh, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. I he I, I he could have been the piece been like to kind of second pick for me. Okay. Yeah. 
you know, like you come in on the heels of Roman Yossi, you've, you've got UC Saros, who's like supposed to be the guy. If he's not, maybe Becca Rene can scratch across a few. Like fucking Forsberg's gonna be great. Maybe, you know, Lafreniere can awaken one of those 17 centermen that they have that is under contract for the next seven years. So, I, I don't know. Minnesota for sure. Nashville would have been a close second. Anybody else? Fuck you, kick rocks. I don't, I don't, I don't care about your team. Uh, but the New York Rangers won it. The one team that didn't need a left winger. So that's that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, uh, they they get uh, the chance to draft Alexis Lafreniere, um, despite uh, signing uh, Artemi Panarin to a big contract last year. A big contract to uh, 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 <laughs> Fuck, sorry, I said Alexis Lafreniere and my Alexa woke up next to me and, and spoke. So if, if you uh, heard that on the podcast, Alexa I'm very Lafreniere. sorry. Alexa Lafreniere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, probably didn't need Chris Kreider if you knew you were getting the first overall fucking draft pick, I guess. But yeah, no hopefully this guy can play right wing, I guess. Um, so, whatever. Like, the Rangers have never had a first overall pick in the you know modern era of the draft, which is... <sighs> Kind of fucking hilarious to think about. So that's that's cool, I guess. Um, did you watch the uh, the fucking ping pong balls bounce around? Did you uh, did you have nothing better going on in, in so, your life? To what was interesting about this is I remember seeing that the draft lottery was advertised for six p.m. and I just kind of laughed and I was like, yeah, so to, like they'll draw the balls at nine, right? So I went golfing and then I got home and I'm eating dinner and I'm flipping through the channels and it's like NHL draft lottery. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll see what they're talking about. And literally the guy's putting the final ball in there and Gary Bettman's like, yeah, that does look like the New York Rangers logo or whatever. And then like, I'm fucking sitting there being like, wait, we're doing this right now at like 630 in the after, like what the fuck? So, uh, I, I just happened to catch it. Yes. Uh, uh, it it was kind of cool. I, the, the ball thing was kind of cool. So no in, no inside uh, job, no conspiracy uh, theories coming out of uh, Funer Bay. I mean, you can spin, you can fucking spin a conspiracy theory any way you want. It doesn't really matter. So there's plenty of people that think that the guy dropped the ball because it was fucking heavy. Like how heavy do you think it was? It couldn't have been that heavy, otherwise it wouldn't have got sucked up in got the sucked sink. Sucked up a fucking yeah. tube. Like, that yeah. doesn't make any like any real sense. I mean, maybe it was weighted. Who knows? But not. not it couldn't have been that by by that much. I thought the Leafs uh, yeah. ball bouncing around was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. Like that was just like ah cool. Fuck it. The fan base is already in ruins. Let's add one more thing right now. You know. So I thought that was great because I loved watching everyone on. Twitter just be like fucking please stop doing this to me. Um, so I enjoyed that, uh, but did, uh, did did not phase me at all because like you know that, that's just I've I've kind of come accustomed to that you know like I open a oh. beer and I'm like oh, this will probably be flat but you know whatever but yeah uh, it's almost yeah. like you've seen uh, fucking uh, bingo before like you know that's kind of what mm. happens at fucking bingo just so you know but mm. yeah whatever it, it doesn't really matter I, I think it's really cool that uh, he's gonna go to New York I think that's a great spot for him and I'm look irony 63 irony 63 <sighs> yeah um, the eyes are more of the uh, f- more of like a 15 to 30 range James not so much in the 60s yeah. No, no, honestly, good for the Rangers. Like, I, I it, it's on, like, looking, again, we've talked about hindsight a few times in this podcast. Like, the idea that, like, the Hurricanes could have won him, 
fuck that. Like, yeah. good for the Rangers. Like, I'm, 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 I'm glad that. Yeah. They're they're gonna have another piece to the puzzle, I suppose. Like anything that gets Henrik Lundqvist one step closer to a cup, sign me up. Like, sure, yeah. You know, let let let's go here. What are we talking about? Um, like I said, hopefully he can play right wing. Um, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that that that's probably that for the hockey content. Okay. Unless you have anything to say about the. Uh, the botching of the lottery, uh, fucking. No, uh, I'm not. I'm not a. Uh, I shouldn't say I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but definitely not about this. Uh, I, um, yeah, whatever. I mean, oh, I, our our biggest U.S. market is going to get the number one pick. Mm, yeah, well, Chicago wasn't eligible, right? So, right, exactly. Um, that leaves us with the overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite segment for cool. this week. And uh, Brutes, it was your turn I to picked. pick, and and you wanted to, to, to uh, you wanted to do uh, Saturday Night Live yeah. cast members. Uh, you know what? We were supposed to do a top ten of this. Like this was when we, when we first started the podcast, like almost two years ago. Uh, we were sitting at Boston Pizza one night. Uh, shameless plug to Boston Pizza there, and um, brainstorming ideas for top tens. And this was like one of the first ones we came up with, and then we've just never circled back to. Uh, anything Saturday Night Live related on this show, I don't think, other than like references. So I figured it was maybe time to pay a little, pay a little love to a, a show that I, I have a, I guess, a complicated relationship with because I, I love the show. Uh, it's kind of like watching the Leafs. Like I love Saturday Night Live, but I sit there and bitch most of the time when I'm watching it. So, but I love it. It's so good. Fair. So, um. A lot of content to weed through here. We got like forty-two years worth of content. Um, I, I, I think uh, both of us kind of narrowed this down to a uh, you know last twenty years or so type of uh, uh, list. I mean, it, if, if you want to bitch about the nineteen eighty-four lineup of Saturday Night Live, uh, feel free. Send us a message on Twitter. Uh, you know, hit us up at our email account. Laced up a uh, podcast at we don't give a fuck.com um to tell us where we went wrong on that but uh yeah this was more recency bias i think on our part than anything i don't feel that strongly about um people from the 80s and 90s because i didn't watch it every week because i wasn't alive for at least one of those decades so and rightfully so yeah i don't uh i don't really have any hard opinion i mean honestly like when i watch a lot of the older episodes too like i i really enjoy like the 80s casts like all of them like it's always like a it's just a great lineup most of the time so um yeah i don't have any hard opinions there it's it's mostly in the 90s and on fair enough uh sir i i will allow you to uh get the ball rolling uh so to speak um the cold open if you will uh your overrated saturday night live uh, cast member pick. Okay. Um, uh, my my overrated uh, cast member is is Adam Sandler. I am not saying that I'm not an Adam Sandler fan, but you know he wasn't on the show all that long, and he really isn't a part of like a lot of iconic skits. Like he definitely has his songs on Weekend Update, but. 
like he really wasn't involved in in too many iconic skits aside from Weekend Update and like and like the Chris Farley Lunch Ladyland and uh, obviously very good, but he's one of those guys where I think his career sort of eclipsed what he actually did on the show. And you could say the same thing for Will Ferrell, but I think Will Ferrell is more integral to a lot of um, a lot of different skits and played a lot of different characters. And Adam Sandler just kind of was himself most of the time, and uh, that's fine. Uh, but I, I think in the grand scheme, he gets looked at as one of the greatest of all time. When in reality, he was only on there a short time and and wasn't that integral. So I, I'm going Adam Sandler as my overrated cast member. Fair enough. Like, like Sandler is probably in like the top five of like people that have had a career. most successful. Yeah, he's very, very exactly. high up there yeah. for sure. Yeah. So it, it's hard to say that he was overrated, but as far as the show is concerned, you're probably not wrong. Uh, my overrated is Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, that's fair. Um, a guy that was supposed to be on there for three years because he thought he was the next fucking uh, Jim Belushi, and um, <laughs> they well John him John like, Belushi because no, no, he no. kind of was the next Jim Belushi, sort of was the yeah, next Jim. Well, uh, they coaxed him on to like, hey man, like you should stick around and do a weekend update with Tina Fey, and he's like, yeah, I don't have anything going on because no one realizes that I'm not really all that fantastic. So he did that for a while, and then they're like, "Yeah, you should do the, the Tonight Show," and they're like, "Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll do the Tonight Show," and and that was a big mistake, I guess. But whatever, I I, I digress. I, I I don't like this guy. Like every time I watch Jimmy Fallon on Saturday Night Live, like he's part of a lot of really fantastic skits, like the hot tub skit with Will Ferrell, uh, the fucking the cowbell skit with Will Ferrell. Uh, basically, Will Ferrell made Jimmy Fallon fucking kind of pretty fucking cool, and uh, he's not that cool. So, Jimmy Fallon, for me. Okay. You're uh, underrated. Uh, my underrated, I, I couldn't pick between the two. I, I have two. Uh, I feel that the the two most underrated uh, are underrated for different reasons. Um, my, my first is currently on the show. Her name is Cecily Strong. Um, I think she is one of the funniest women to ever be on that show, but because the show isn't all that funny anymore, a lot of people don't, uh, consider her to be among the greats, but I, I really think she's super fucking funny. Like, she is just... She just kills every skit she's in. She's another one, like, it's very hard to make her break, and I have a lot of respect for that. Um, not that I, like, hate when, when guys break mid-skit, because other than Jimmy Fallon, most people are able to hold it together most of the time, and it's kind of funny when they do lose it, right? And, and I understand that some skits, it's just like, all week, you're just like, I, I, I'm not gonna laugh during this skit, and then all of a sudden it gets time, and it's just like, you were thinking about that moment when it, when you knew it might happen, and it just happens, and I think it's funny, but, but she's pretty good at just keeping it together. Um, the only real times I've seen her break too much is, uh, uh, the girl at the party when you, that you wish you hadn't started a conversation with, which is fair because it's so fucking ridiculous that, like, I don't think I'd be able to keep it together either. So, I think she's great. I think she's very funny. Um, among my favorite women in the, in the history of the show. Uh, I would also say that, uh, Chris Parnell is super underrated. He's had a, a, a 
a very good career as a supporting comedic actor in movies since he left the show. And I think it's super it's super perfect for him because I don't know that he is like outright funny on his own uh, to the point where he would like he, you would want to put him in like a starring role in a movie. But like even some of the shit he's done since he's left the show, he is just so good at his style of comedy. Like it's it's like the straight man, almost like a Leslie Nielsen type. He's just he's fantastic at it, and uh, he's in the background of a lot of really good skits in the history of that show. And I think he I think he deserves a lot of credit for it. So uh, Chris Parnell and and Cecily Strong are my are my underrated. Uh, a v- very good list. I I did have Cecily Strong in my underrated list to begin with, and and as uh, as I dug deeper, I I found one guy that I thought was slightly more underrated, only in terms of his time on Saturday Night Live, and that would be Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. Um, George W. Bush, Joe Biden, Mitt Romney, fucking. Pete Twinkle from ESPN, <laughs> like Jason Sudeikis what? is very funny. Like he's very, very. Oh funny. my god, he he is one of my favorite fucking comedy actors, and it's like he was on he, he was on he was on uh, he was on Saturday Night Live. You know, no, he was on Saturday Night Live, and like he didn't do a lot. The few roles he did, fucking, they were home runs. Yeah, the guy never hit a single. He hit home run fucking bombs, but he had like eighteen of them, and that was it. Like he was, he was a he was a two twenty five hitter in baseball, but he hit twenty home runs that season. And like you, you're probably not bringing him back for another year, but like good for him. Uh, so I'm a I'm a big Jason Stakes fan. Uh, I, I, I love pretty much everything he did. The devil, the fucking devil, showing up on uh, fucking week weekend update. Um, absolutely killed me every every single time like didn't realize it at the time but when you really think about it like the mid to late 2000s really kind of was the golden era for saturday night live right like yeah like when you think about it like i just pulled up season 32's cast the cast for that season the regular cast was fred armison will forte bill Hader, daryl hammond uh seth myers and amy poehler were on weekend update Maya Rudolph, Andy Samberg, Jason Sudeikis, Keenan Thompson, Kristen Wiig, all of which are among like the greatest of all time on that show. You oh know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his his role as Vance on uh, What's Up with That? Uh, big <laughs> fan. Might go uh, might go as him for Halloween this year. Um, and uh, and he married uh, Olivia Wilde, so fucking like congratulations on that. Good for you, fucking. Oh yeah, I guess so, Jason eh? Sudeikis, yeah, I guess. he's crushing yeah, it. Good for him. Fucking he's fuck he's you. crushing it, and he's another guy when he shows up in movies. Uh, I love it, and is another guy where yeah. there are certain roles that um, other people get where I'm like, I fucking think Jason Sudeikis should have got this. You know what I mean? Like, as much as I love Will Arnett, like there's been a few of those. Uh, Ed Helms gets a lot of roles that Jason Sudeikis probably should get, and I I don't think Ed Helms is very funny. So I would, you know, mm-hmm. like 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 it's not like he would have been a better fit in The Hangover. Like definitely Ed Helms was the better fit there. But it's like to think of the fact that the casting sort of came down to those two guys. It's like fuck. Like that would have been pretty good still too. Like you know that would have been good. Yep. 
Definitely. would have had to. He couldn't have been as big of a bitch, you know. I don't know if Jason Sudeikis plays a bitch that well, but. Uh, your uh, favorite? Oh, uh, my favorite is Bill Hader. I didn't really need to think about it either. Um, just, ah, uh, just everything, everything he does, man. Everything he does, I think, is fucking hilarious. He he is one of my favorite like impressionists of all time. Um, a lot of the characters he played with accents and shit like that. He was just really good at that. Very rarely would break, but when he did, it was just like at the funniest time. And it was mostly when he would play Stefan. Like, that was really the only time he would, or Stefan, or whatever the fuck his name was. Like, that was the only time he would really ever lose it. But he would, like, just outright be, like, giggling on Weekend Update. And it was like, this is fucking incredible. So, um, he's my mm-hmm. favorite. My, my favorite. SNL recurring character of all time is uh, is also Vinny Vedecci, which is played by Bill Hader. Uh, yeah. um, no, for no, those fine. of you who haven't seen the skit, whoever was on the episode that week, either uh, the host or the musical guest, uh, Vinny Vedecci was a talk show host uh, in Italy, and I guess it was explained to these American celebrities that when, when they went on this talk show, it was going to be in, in English. And then he starts talking, and um, he's not speaking English. He's speaking Italian, and they don't fucking understand what's going on, and they're just completely lost. And uh, he's sitting there just smoking, and like almost the whole skit is in Italian kind of thing. But it's it's great. Like it was just so good. It was the same bit over and over again. But it killed me to just see like John Bon Jovi just looking around, being like, uh, "Did I miss something here?" Or... It was great. So Bill Hader is my favorite. So. Your song is not about robot horse. <laughs> now it's about the tour bus. We... Oh. oh. Um, my favorite is uh, Tracy Morgan. Oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> you mean Brian Fellows? Yeah. <laughs> Brian Fellows. Fucking uh... Adventure Planet. For sure. Well, what was that other the fucking Uncle Jemima's or something? Is that am I Uncle Jemima's, Mama Jemima's or whatever? The, uh, fuck. The astronaut. A- astronaut. Oh, uh, man, um, Tracy Morgan is so funny. It? Astronaut uh, something. Uh, Jones. Astronaut, astronaut Jones. Jones. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. Uh, I wish it were Christmas today. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. That's a big, great. That's big, a great pick. Big fan of Tracy I didn't Morgan. even really know you uh, like Tracy Morgan that much. That's great. I love him. I I absolutely part think, one of my favorite like, and this has nothing to do with uh, uh, Saturday Night Live, but like one of my like all time like low key. I will not tell anybody that I like this movie. Uh, movies is uh, Cop Out with Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan. Yeah, yeah. Where they like they like kidnap Sean William Scott and like they're interrogating him and it's just like. Like Trace, oh my God, Tracy Morgan. I've got a lot of time for Tracy Morgan. Yes. Let me tell you, um, and uh, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that he's well and healthy and and, and shit like and that because ob- big obviously fan. an incredible show all around. But like him on Thirty Rock is literally just playing like like yeah. himself basically, and like yeah, uh, yeah. you know, like just in a, a fictionalized version of what he was like on SNL, and it's just it's fucking it's so funny. Like he's he is so fucking funny. Oh man, no, you're not that's wrong. a great pick. Big fan of Tracy Morgan. Um, 
hopefully we get a lot more of him moving forward. He's how old do you think Tracy Morgan is? Uh, he can't be that young. Like he he's got to be mid fifties, I would think. Wow, I would not have thought that. He's fifty one. Yeah. It's just because he's been around so long, like, right? Like that's the thing. For no, me. you're like, right. He wasn't right. young on SNL, and he's been yeah. off of there for like twenty years. You know. Yeah. No, you're right. It's just he he, he seems so young, but it's fair. He is fifty one. Yeah. Uh, your uh, least favorite. Um, I could have gone Jimmy Fallon on this route, but I I didn't because I I I don't I don't hate Jimmy Fallon, but there's very few cast members in the history of that show I didn't like. That's one thing like that needs to be noted, right? Is like they were all funny, just to varying degrees. If the skit wasn't funny, it usually wasn't the actor's fault, right? It's it's the it all comes down to writing more or less, right? And um, I there's a few people on the show I'm not really sure how to feel about now, and and pretty much all of them are are the are the males. Uh, like Mikey Day is kind of growing on me a bit. Uh, Beck Bennett's growing on me, but like when those guys first came on the show, like I just thought they were so like bland and just not funny um but there is one guy on the show that i i just don't really care for they use him in certain skits and it works sometimes but i i really don't find kyle mooney very funny and um just thinking about the history of the show i would think he has to be my least favorite i think that like i was thinking about it i'm like i don't really think that there is a single uh, female cast member that's ever been on that show that I didn't like. So, like, it kind of ruled out, like, pretty much half of the cast already. And then when I started thinking about the guys, like, I like I didn't find Chris Kattan that funny, but I think Kyle Mooney's just, I just, I feel like he's a, a fish out of water on that show. Another guy I thought it was Taron Killam. I really don't uh, think he's very funny, but uh, I went Kyle Mooney. Um... Yeah, the uh, the men of today, not too good. <laughs> it's not great. It was a toss up for me. I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I'm I'm not gonna sit here and bullshit. Just throw a dart at which which like, non weekend update Pete Davidson guy you wanted yeah. to pick. Keenan Thompson, of course. Kyle Mooney count, was was on the short list for sure. I I went Beck Bennett. Okay. Um, uh, at the end of the day, like, I don't know. I, he's a, I, at least with Calum. He's here's what I'll say about Beck Bennett is Beck Bennett is very much a Sadakis type, but he's not as funny, and that kind of, you oh. know what I mean? Like he kind of just ruins the whole bit. At, at, at least with Beck Bennett, or sorry, at least with Cal Mooney, I know who I'm watching on the screen. Like Beck Bennett blends into like three or four other fucking cast members where like if they're in makeup and shit or like a, like wigs and costumes shit, I'm like, who am I watching right now like I, I don't know who you are I can't differentiate you from the other six white male SNL characters I think like, it was even worse Mooney's got the a hair, couple years ago because but... like they got rid of some guys and but they all looked the same for yeah. a while at least now like Mikey Day Kyle Mooney like they all Look somewhat distinct, so like I, but I get what you're saying. Like Beck Bennett was, yeah, was around. Uh, it might have been last year, or even the year before, where it was just like there was a bunch, there were a bunch of guys, and it was like I couldn't tell them apart. And again, like I think currently, most of their female cast Alex, members are very Alex good. Moffitt. But, 
Alex Moff. Yeah, Alex Moff, and I, I, I really get him and him confused yeah. with. Uh, I couldn't think of Beck his name. Bennett. Like, it's like I'm watching this and I'm going like, like who, who, who's up right now? Who's on deck? Like, mm-hmm. and I, I, I know that's not a great way to de- like to describe fucking SNL characters. Like, no one's gonna confuse Will Ferrell or fucking Mike Myers. Yeah, but that's because they were funny. Like, with like the, that's another thing, right? Like. Right, it helps. It it definitely there, there's a a differentiation from their like persona to their their skill as a comedian, mm-hmm. right? So, it, it I helps. I would go as far to say though, like one thing for me is that at least with the current cast of guys, is this is my favorite version of Weekend Update since I've been watching the show. Like, the, like Michael Che and Colin Jost are my favorite Weekend Update guys because they've sort of modernized it and it's not really... It's not really the way it used to be. It's it's kind of a different sort of bit they're doing now. And I, I think it's totally funny. Like, I think it's great. So, every night I know at least I'm looking forward to them coming out but you're right like with a lot of these other skits they're they're quite limited on the dudes that they're using and um which is fine like more skits involving the the female cast members I'm not going to complain because uh most of them are are very funny but hmm no that, that that's fair like I, I'll agree like we can update definitely it's it's current you know form is is it's probably my favorite i i did like uh colin jost and cecily strong and before that cecily strong and seth myers like i i thought cecily strong really had a a a, a solid grasp definitely on good at maybe it for holding sure. that yeah. role i'm 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 fine with them uh, i'm fine with her wanting to be in more skits because i think that is her strong yeah. suit but you're right yeah Fair enough. Uh, I think that is it, it for the Laced Up Hockey yeah, Podcast. Yeah. Long one. That's probably Long it. one. Yeah. Um, I'm not probably going to have anything on the north side if I feel like uh, I want to yell about the Leafs. I might, but I... Take your time. Take your yeah, time. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not... They, not they made you wait four months Yep. Uh, to bring back yeah, hockey. Yeah, they did. And then... In a week, that was it. Yeah, so, not great. You you take your time. You enjoy vacation, so sure. to speak. And and uh, and I will too because I don't write for anyone, okay. and I don't really should matter. make it clear when James says enjoy vacation, so to speak. Uh, the show will not be taking a vacation anytime soon. We will no, be back. Not us. Uh, we will be back either later this week or next week, as per usual. And uh, <sighs> yeah, yeah, okay, um, okay. yeah. I might uh, I might be going out of town for a few days at some point in the next few weeks, so I might uh, we Ugh, might sing and slam and Sammy. Might, yeah, I might head, head on all, up to Airedale right? and hang out with Sam, Slam and Sammy. We'll see. So, okay, but I'm good. Are you good? Codfish. Oh, bluefish. Nope. Redfish. Two fish. Um, your yeah, fish. My stop fish. Stop recording now. Okay. Uh, see ya. You can fuck off and all. <laughs> You don't know what I've been through. I've been downgraded.
figure out what you gonna do when the 